welcome to Sci-Fi. I'm your host, Jesse Mercury. Oh my goodness, it has been a while since I've done this. Holy shit. Feels weird. <laughs> uh, oh my god, when did the last episode come out? I'm actually looking this up on my phone right now because I don't remember. Uh, last updated October 26th. So I haven't had a show come out since October 26th. It is now, what is it now? <laughs> Thank you, phone, for all the answers. It is April 29th. Wow. So like six months. Holy crap. Um, yeah, so I, was, I did not intend to take six months away from the show. Uh, I mentioned in the last episode six months ago that this episode was going to come out where uh, my, my friend Douglas Gale would come over and we'd talk about Babylon 5 Season 5 because I recorded this like before the last episode came out. <laughs> uh, and then I just never got it out. So there's a, a variety of, of things that have kept me away from the show. The biggest one being my health. Uh, I, you know, I've talked about my health many times on the show, but in November, I actually had a flare up of whatever it is that I'm dealing with. Maybe, well, <laughs> it's, this is a long story. Um, I, I did that two-part podcast, maybe he's born with it, maybe it's Lyme disease, about how I was diagnosed with Lyme disease. That's actually still in question, and I'm still going through health treatment. I'm seeing a different person than I was last time, and my health uh, got significantly worse last November, and we didn't really know why at the time. I don't really want to get into that today. I've, you know... There's a lot to talk about. Holy crap. I'm trying to keep my brain in order here and keep all of my thoughts. I have to go with one one thought at a time because if I start diverting to other thoughts, I will never make it through an actual thought. So let's see. I'm talking about why I've been away from the show. So my health was a big issue. I'd say my health was the main part of that, really, because I, you know, just did not quite have what it took to get this up and out the door. Uh, and then another big part is that I had been dealing with, I guess you could call it a crisis of podcast, where I wasn't 100% sure what I was doing with the show, why I was doing it. Uh, I know I've mentioned this many times in the past, but there was a big iTunes changeover that happened. I, I don't I don't know how long ago at this point, but uh a lot of podcasts, including my own, lost over half of their audience overnight, or around half of their audience overnight. Uh, and it was a big deal to me because I, you know, it really kind of hit me out of left field and kind of took the wind out of my sails. It was like, wow, I built up this audience and now it's just like, holy crap, the audience is like half as big as I thought it was. And that really hurt for some reason. And I have to tell you that this time away from producing the podcast has really helped me put things back in perspective. Um, and I'll tell you why, because uh, something else that happened is that I have been, you know, game streaming on YouTube for getting close to two years, I'd say. Well, I was about a year and a half into game streaming on YouTube when they decided to delete YouTube gaming entirely. Uh, so I have switched my game streaming over to Twitch. And that's actually been going great. I'm really enjoying it. I'm not streaming regularly anymore because, like I said, my health hasn't been great. So I'm just kind of streaming when I can for as long as I can and just doing it because it feels good and I like it. And it's a thing to kind of get me up off the couch and doing something because um, it's the easiest content creation that I do. Podcasting, believe it or not, is actually significantly harder than uh, game streaming. And that's the main reason that no podcast has come out in six months. Um, but yeah, during that time, uh, this this thing happened where YouTube gaming went away and it was a very similar experience of having my numbers drop significantly because of something that was outside of my control. And it was kind of this uh, epiphany for me like when it happened the second time, I didn't really care as much because I'm like, okay, well, these things happen um, in content creation and that's okay. You know, like 
<laughs> numbers go up, numbers go down, and that's okay. And that's not the fucking point of what I'm doing. The point of what I'm doing is that I love it and it's fun. And I have to tell you that six months away from this show, I miss the fuck out of it. Like it's it's been really nagging me, like eating at me how much I miss doing this. So I finally pulled this uh, conversation between Doug and I out of the closet and I'm recording this intro right now and I'm getting a podcast out and I'm pretty fucking stoked about it and I'm going to be recording more podcasts. So this show is going to continue. It was a little touch and go there for me for a minute. I wasn't really sure what I was doing, if this show was going to continue or not. And at this point, I'm feeling like, yeah, I, I'm at least for another episode beyond this and we'll just take it from there. <laughs> so I, I've gotten back in touch with what it is that I want to do with a podcast in general. And the answer to that is that I want to give myself an excuse to have my favorite type of conversations. It's just my favorite thing to talk about is like science fiction and, you know, TV and like pop culture and all that kind of stuff. I just really light up around it and love talking about it. And I've missed having this platform to do that. So I'm back and here we fucking go. Okay, so I have an awesome conversation to share with you. Douglas Gale came over to talk about the last season of Babylon 5, as well as the uh, the movies, the Babylon 5 movies. I mean, we are wrapping it up. This is it. This is the last Babylon 5 podcast. We talked about all the rest of it. We also talked a lot about a bunch of other sci-fi. Like We talked about Discovery Season 1, because uh, Season 2 had not aired at the time this was recorded. We talked a lot about The 100 Season 5, because I just finished watching that. Uh, so this you know, there's a lot more than just Babylon 5 in this discussion. And I really, really liked listening to it. It was super fun. And I hope you enjoy it as well. So let's do it. Let's wrap up our discussion of Babylon 5 with Douglas Gale, with season five and the movies. Here we go. And so it begins. There is a hole in your mind. What do you want? No one here is exactly what he appears. Nothing's the same anymore. Commander Sinclair is being reassigned. Why don't you eliminate the entire non-home race? Why do we Reaching out of the stuff. Who are you? President Clark has signed a decree today declaring These orders law. have forced us to declare independence. Let's hope people get off their encounter-suited butts and do something. You are the one who watch. To Zahadu, you will die. Why are you here? Do you have anything worth living for? Think of my beautiful city of Giants in the playground. Get the hell out of our galaxy! We are here to place President Clark under arrest. Douglas Gale, welcome back Jesse. to the podcast. Thank you. <laughs> I'm happy to be back. We're here to talk about Babylon 5, season 5. Final season. The final season. Minus movies, minus crusade. Yeah. <laughs> Although I did watch all the movies. Yeah. I think I watched I think I watched all of them. There's one movie that I didn't get when I got I bought the box set for uh-huh. this podcast specifically. And it comes with like all five seasons and the first season, the only season of Crusade and like the Crusade movie oh, and wow. the Babylon five movies. But then there's one movie 
like I think it's called Lost Tales or something oh, like that. Of course, yeah, the one they made in like 2005 or right, something. Right, so that's not in this box set, and I still haven't seen it because okay. I, I, I had watched Babylon Five when it first came out, and I don't think I was even aware <laughs> yeah. that they did anything after Crusade. It is bizarre. Okay, I, I can't it. imagine it being good. <laughs> it it is so strange. <laughs> Let's get there though. I want to talk okay. about the season first. Yes. Yeah. Um, and there's actually something I well, okay. So we talked about this before we started recording. How I I'm feeling like right now this is going to be the last episode of this podcast that I record for right. the for the time being. Right. Uh, and I I've been thinking about trying other things. And one idea that occurred to me, uh, especially because you and I were talking about watching D- Deep Space Nine and talking oh, about it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Was uh. <laughs> was a show called Doug Space Nine. Yeah, I'm on board already. <laughs> um, I so I'm not exactly sure what what I want to do at this point. But right. here's my thought. Okay, I I was thinking about doing a live show where we'd like take apart an episode at a time of Deep Space Nine. Oh yeah, and maybe just like start with the pilot. Sure, which we could split into two or or just do a really long one or whatever. Yeah, and see if it was good. See if we like doing it. See if the audience yep. is there for it. Yeah, and if so, maybe do a few more and see how it goes. Yeah, that'd be fantastic. Cool. Oh. Um, <laughs> uh, I love deconstructing Star Trek. I know, <laughs> and I love episodes. I love podcasts where they go one episode at a time. Yes. of Star Trek. Yep, and I listen to like. Well, at this point, I'm listening to two that are doing The Next Generation, Yeah, but I don't have any that I'm listening to that are about Deep Space Nine, and I haven't watched that show in years, yeah, and yeah. I really want to watch it. Yep. I'm like craving me some DS9. Yeah, and I do think it'll be interesting to watch it having just come off the heels of watching Babylon 5. Totally. Yeah. Know? And it's, I mean, the parallels are undeniable. There's all that, we've talked about that, the like, was it this or was it based on a script or whatever? None of which matters. Right. Because they're both, could not be more different shows. <laughs> You know, yeah. the, let's have a show that's like set in space with a space station instead of a captain flying around and, you know, certain other superficial similarities. And you can just see how two different people can take that same core premise and do something so different. Totally. Yeah, the shows are so different. Yeah, I, tone, any any superficial similarity ends when you start watching Babylon 5. Yep. You yep, know? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> There's a couple of, like, thematic elements that are sort of similar, but... There's such different shows yeah. that I I don't really buy into that complaint that much anymore. Yep. Agreed. I'm with you. Yeah, oh, and so then like, the, the captain of the space station becomes a religious figure. You know, that's, right. that, that is also a, a theme in both of them. Yeah. That, it, it does seem like... It does seem like somebody at Paramount probably read the treatment for yep. Babylon 5 and maybe subliminally took some of the ideas. But But the thing is, is that... You don't find out that Sinclair is Valen for three years, right? right. An, and and Ben Cisco starts his journey to the emissary in Episode One of Deep right. Space Nine, right? So they probably wouldn't have even even have known that. Yeah, you know, I find it hard to believe they would have known that. Yeah, and but, they, they, they both have characters named Ducat. <laughs> yeah, that is weird. That was strange. It's but so the, strange. They, they couldn't be more different. It's though. totally they're the, they're like opposite people. Yeah, yeah, and the shows have like completely different color palettes, completely yeah. different. Like casting choices and yep. aesthetics and acting styles and yeah. writing styles and everything else about them is so different. Yep. Uh, but but I was thinking that since you and I, if if we do this Deep Space Nine show, 
uh, it would be fun to maybe at the end of every episode, we have to say, is this better or worse than Babylon 5? <laughs> <Five, right? laughs> like, would you rather watch this than Babylon 5? Right, absolutely. Is this a better show than Babylon 5? And yep. we could ask it at every episode <laughs> and at the end of a season have a tally. Like, season one of Deep Space Nine is not better than Babylon, Babylon 5, 5, but maybe season two will be. <laughs> right. I mean, for me, I mean, Deep Space Nine is like vastly superior. Oh, yeah. And I know you feel the other way, right? Uh, Well... In total, I honestly don't know which one I would think I would like better overall. It's more to me of like season by season. And like Deep Space Nine has low points, but Babylon 5's low points are way lower. And yeah. Deep Space Nine has beautiful high points, but Babylon 5's high points are far superior. You think so? For my money, yeah. Yeah. And I, th- I think Deep Space Nine, uh, maybe it's just the artifact of me only sort of watching it when it came out and then recently did like the binge of it. It takes a long time before I think it really picks up and you're like, oh, it's not hokey, weak, early season Star Trek, you know, which yeah. is the the problem that all Star Trek shows have is they have real soft legs coming out of the gate. Yeah, I people say that about Deep Space Nine, and I'm curious to rewatch it because I didn't notice that when yeah. I watched it. Last. I don't I didn't really either when I first watched it. And I think now it stands out more. Hmm. I didn't think that TNG was I love TNG when it first came out. Now I'm like, oh my God, it's yeah. like laugh out loud embarrassing. Yeah, the first two years are so strange. Yeah. But they have this quirky quality that I adore. Right. And I don't I don't know. I mean for me the 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 high the high bar of what Star Trek is trying to achieve yes. makes me a little blind to a lot of the flaws of it. Sure. Uh whereas with Babylon five, I I could never tell what its high goal was. Right. I could tell sometimes. Right. But then it did, it didn't make the the low points worth it to me. Yeah. Uh, not to say that I didn't enjoy the show, because I definitely did. And yeah. I really liked season five. Yeah. And I do think it's an important, if you're into sci-fi shows of this genre, uh, uh, I think Babylon 5 is an important part of that canon, you know? I agree. It's like yeah. being an English literature major and saying, you're like, oh, I'm not going to read, you know, Moby Dick because of something, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, no, you kind of have to. <laughs> yeah, totally. If you want to be like sci-fi pop culture literate, you have yeah. to watch Babylon yep. 5 at some point. Yep. Um, well, let's jump into this. Yeah. Let's jump into season five of Babylon 5. Yep. Because the very first thing that you discover, which I did not know and am furious about yes. still, yes. is that Ivanova's gone yes. and they don't fucking explain it. They're yep. just like, oh, yeah, she just couldn't be here anymore. I'm right. like, fuck you. Well, what they, the fuck? They do explain it. And it's also classic JMS where it's like they're walking to talking down a hallway. Right. And someone asks about Ivanova. Yeah. And then uh, Sheridan is like, oh, she got a promotion or wanted more money. Wink to the <laughs> camera or something. It was like the, the, the weakest explanation for where she was. Yeah. That they could have possibly done. Yeah. And I, that was such a blow to me. Yeah. Uh, Also, because of what we talked about with season four, how I was pretty upset about her arc at the very end of the season, where like all of a sudden Marcus saves her life and sacrifices himself. He gives, he gives Ivanova his life force so that she may live. Literally, literally dies. Like his life is sucked out of himself and put into her. And she's just devastated because she would never have asked someone to do that. And is like, I think a little disgusted that it happened, that she's still alive. Right. And you don't get to explore that in season five. And I was sure that they were going to drop that. I was sure it was going to happen, but I had no idea it was going to be, they dropped the entire character. Yep. Uh, And I actually, so I finished the whole season before I did any research because I didn't know if she was gone, gone. Right. She comes back in and then, Which she did. Like the very last episode. Yep. Which I 
I've now done some reading about Babylon 5, which I had never done when we talked before. Which I think is good to, yeah, to kind of come I needed in and to see get it, there yeah. on my own. But now I know that they shot the final episode. Well, you actually told me this last time. They right. shot the final episode while they were shooting season four yep. in case they needed to end immediately. That was always going to be the last episode. Right. And then because they got a new season, they aired it at the very end, yep. which it dovetailed beautifully. And yep. I, the fact that Ivanova was in that episode was a huge win for me personally. Yeah, I, I feel like, like it helps God. emotionally. You know, yeah, it does totally. give some form of a clue. It's not as much of a, a, not an exploration of it at all that you would want, but yeah, you at least get to see that she's there at the end. Yeah, totally. Which is very satisfying. Yeah. But then I was actually sad to learn that they didn't get the actress back at all. They had already shot it. Right. And when I looked at why she left, the reasons suck. Like it's, My understanding had been contract negotiations where she wanted more money, um, deservedly so. I mean, she should have yeah, gotten whatever That's she what JMS says. But if you read her accounting of it, it's yeah. basically like uh, she had said yes, she wanted to do it. They were, they were working on contract negotiations, and they came to her. At the in the middle of the night at a hotel somewhere where uh, they were all at a convention, they'd all been drinking and said like, right. "You don't sign this right now, you're off the show." Oh, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. and Which she's is, like, "What the fuck? Why like, would I sign that? Yeah, yeah, why would I sign that right now?" So she didn't, and then they kicked her off. Right, and that, it it like didn't need to happen from no. what I can tell. Yeah, uh, that's also her side and JMS's side is totally yep. different. Uh, it seems like somewhere in the middle would be. <laughs> yeah, maybe something in the middle is the truth. But yeah. I also read that at one point during the production, JMS took her out on it on a date. And she didn't really know it was a date until he showed up like in a limo with flowers or whatever. Gotcha. And apparently was really uncomfortable. And there was maybe something happening where he was uncomfortable around her and didn't try as hard as he should have to bring her back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is the impression that I got from from the reading that I did. But I have, I mean, obviously I don't know because I wasn't there. And I'm reading firsthand accounts that are probably flawed. And long story short, it seemed like she was completely needlessly let go. Yes. And... For me, it like really hurt. Yeah, uh, the final season. Yeah, like, really hurt to not have that character. And, uh, the one thing that I had read about JMS's view of it was s- taking his idea of like, oh, she quit the show, right? Right. That's not like, oh, I was part of the problem here. But what he had said was that if he had known that she was going to not be there for season five, that he would have killed her character, right? Then and then kept Marcus alive. It would have been. The right. similar thing of giving your life literally essence to save someone else. Right. And then he would be the one whose pain would have been explored. And then instead, he's like, now I wound up with both of those pieces off of the table, basically. Right. You know, I the I wish he had just killed Ivanova mm-hmm. when she was dying. You know, I agree. why does one person need to sacrifice their life to save another? Like, it, yeah, it, that rings narratively contrived and false to me yeah and it did it in what we got and it would have if it was the other way around yeah because how how would ivanova do that for marcus she never would uh, well i mean i knowing his writing i feel like he would have had that exactly happen she would have gotten the machine she would have used the machine right to save him other other pieces that would need to be flipped to make it get to that point sure he would, it would probably it to have point. to be her fault like that, that he was dying, and then maybe yeah. she would do it. Yeah, absolutely. But he's also someone who, as much as like I keep saying I love the show, that he does these weird shortcuts or or sort of like lazy writing, and you know he's more interested in oops the bigger like oh I want to have this thing where someone gives their life to save another person. Yeah, but would they do? Nah, it doesn't matter whether they would do it or not. But what's important right. is that they've done it, and now we'll deal with the consequences of this thing that I arbitrarily 
made the character do. Yeah, the concepts seem more important than the actual character logic. Yes, yes. And uh, if we, can we jump around? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, what he does with Lanier at the end. I know. That's a, that's a, to me, that's the proof that I need that he would take a character and have them do something that feels so out of character in order to achieve some greater narrative uh, goal. Yeah, definitely. That felt out of character the whole time it was happening to yeah. me. Where Lanier is so driven by jealousy over Sheridan <laughs> getting Delenn, the woman of his dreams, that he's basically like, he's almost like driven mad with jealousy yes. and he like tries to sacrifice himself. Gets and, super aggro. Yeah, but, but ends up discovering, you know, like how to save the day because right. he's out on that ship when he like didn't care about his own life anymore. And right. I, so he gets rewarded for doing like his weird. <laughs> right. But then he tries, he actually like almost kills Sheridan. He lets, that, right. He's, he's, he's about willing to let, to let Sheridan die. Right. Like yeah. Sheridan is in a room, stuck in a room where there's poison gas of some kind. And, and push the button to let me out. Yeah. And he doesn't push the button. He right. walks away. Right. And Sheridan, they, he sees Sheridan knows that he's doing it. Right. So it's not even like Sheridan doesn't know that he could have been saved. It's like, I'm looking at you. Right. I'm walking away from the button. Yeah. And then Sheridan's like, push the button. You son of a bitch. Which was a great moment. I, I was like, what? Like well, Lanier, what are you doing? <laughs> see, that's the thing is that I think it's out of character. Yeah. I think it's a weird, like, it just kind of comes out of nowhere, but the greater goal of it does make an interesting, you know? Yeah. I, that one, I, I don't know. I wish that he had laid more story pipe of how jealous Lanier was. Absolutely. I think that's a mistake. I feel, yeah. it feels as much as there is a lot of stuff that's clearly planned out ahead of time. That's one that I feel like getting the jealousy that far was a late addition. Right. Because early seasons, if you watch, you can see that it's like a running thing. Like Lanier clearly from the beginning, oh, yeah, he's, he's in always love with been in love with Delenn. Yeah. But, but he's also like probably the, the smartest, most emotionally balanced person on the show. Yes. The most, he's like the adult in the room always. Totally. Yeah. Even more so than Delenn, I would say. Yeah, I think yeah. Delenn is like driven by her, like her passion for what yes, is right yeah. so often where Lanier is usually able to be a step down yep. and on his passion level so that he can kind of see what right. the best choice is in most situations. And he had been my one of my favorite characters. Yeah. And I after season five, I, I, I no longer thought of him that way. He just, yep. because again, I felt like that character was kind of thrown away. Yes. So he wasn't even active in my mind as like potential favorite character anymore because right. that character was just gone yeah, and just his, thrown away. Yeah, and it's, it's, a, it's a very disappointing i think end to his arc totally i mean even though i do like i said it's i think it's a fascinating thing yeah and i wish that it had been set up better I, there the moment where the moment where lanier almost sacrifices sheridan was really great for me like i was so, I, that was a moment where i could see just enough the the logic of what was happening yeah uh that lanier has this moment where everything that he wants could be his if he just right. doesn't act here right and I bought that, you know, but for that to work for me, there would have needed to have been some like real talking about it that happened after. And there was a little bit of it, but it kind of got there. But then his character was just kind of so meandery for the rest of the season until he was just like left. Right. Uh, And then in the final episode where they talk about how he's just been like gone for however long, it's like the character just kind of vanishes from everyone's lives and it's just like he's just it just doesn't feel right it doesn't feel it doesn't feel natural it doesn't feel like it would happen that way yeah i I agree with you yeah uh just because like knowing those characters and knowing the bond that existed between lanier and delenn it's really hard for me to imagine that they just like went their separate ways from that moment forward yeah 
I don't know. And it, it, I feel like it's a thing that could be explained better. It could be explained differently to make it more satisfying. Yeah. But there's as something it is there, now, though, that works. Yeah. There's a piece of it that works. Yeah. There's so much of what I love about Babylon 5 are seeing <laughs> those, piece of it those pieces. Yeah. Yeah. But um, th- that's what I was tying the two together to say that it's an example of how JMS can hypothetically, in the situation of make Ivanova's character do something that you would think is shockingly out of character in order to achieve some other piece. Right, Because he did that with Lanier. Right. And had he decided to kill Ivanova off at the end of season four, I could easily seeing, see her do it in a way that you'd be like, why? No, that doesn't make sense for her character. Right. But then trying to have it get to the bigger point that he wants to make. Right. But I don't know what the bigger point is in that. Like, what is the bigger point of having Marcus sacrifice himself for... I think it would have been a lot of survivor's guilt with Ivanova. I think that's yeah. what it would have been, is now following her and maybe even, like, religious stuff, because that was something that they toyed around with a little sure. bit. Sure, yeah. And, I, it's, I guess now it's impossible to know, because it didn't right. go anywhere. It didn't go anywhere, right. Yeah, I mean, that, that to me is, like, one of the biggest... Is like a huge loss for the show. I mean, yeah. I am sure that JMS felt the same way. Yeah. That he didn't get to wrap up that story in whatever way he yeah. wanted to. Because I think, he, it, again, he could have told that story from either point. Right. It could have been Marcus the survivor, right. guilty over this you know obsessive love that he had, or Ivanova, who I think would be guilty over the, the love that she kind of pushed off and rejected up until it was almost too late. You know? Yeah. But it definitely, like, it took what was... M- to date, my least favorite moment of the whole show. Right. And, like, did not redeem it in the least. Yeah, I was yeah, hoping yeah. for some redemption yeah. in season five of that, of that, you know, Marcus death. Yeah. And it just, it was barely touched on. Yeah. I, but there's something, like, I read online that uh, in the last episode you can see something about, like, Marcus. She still has Marcus on ice somewhere oh. in case she can, like like revive him someday. Uh, I don't remember what I read, but you okay. see something in the background. I don't, I don't remember exactly what it was. That sounds real familiar. Yeah. yeah. I could see that, but that's also very JMS. You yeah, know? totally. Yeah. I, I, it's, it's frustrating. Like I, I want to love this show, but I came away, <laughs> I came away from it at the end, kind of like, like happy to let it go. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. I'm, gl- I'm glad I'm done with this and I'm yeah. ready to move on to, you know, watching season five of the hundred which was fucking awesome by the way i just finished it today oh yeah i'm all cut up netflix wise yeah 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 the new season that just came out on netflix oh my god that was fucking rad can we talk about the hundred for a second uh they got renewed for season six too i yeah i saw that it was over no because once i saw the end of it i went online right away immediately (laughs) that happened to me today yeah Yeah, totally What did you think of that season? I thought it was fucking awesome. Oh, I love that show from beginning to end. Ever Me since, too. Ever oh, since yeah. the early, earliest episodes, it's like, oh, this show has legs. And yeah. then I think it was season two where I saw, oh, if they keep doing this, because they keep shifting gears. You Constantly, know, The yeah. thing that would be the death of that show would be if it just gets into a sort of a stasis. You right. Know? They sh- yeah, they do it in a way that is so ridiculous, yeah. but but just like works so well for that one particular show. Yeah. And they, they've completely abandoned reality. And and this yes. is a show where, like, people are doing the most extreme version of what their character might possibly do. Yes. And they're really reaching for it yes. constantly. Yes. But you don't care because, yeah. like... It's still enjoyable in the because moment. Because it gets you somewhere that matters. Yeah. Like, the, the end of season five of The Hundred, to me, was, like, absolutely spellbinding. The last, like, two minutes. Yeah. Spellbinding. Yeah. And I, I was halfway through season five I'm like I don't know if I need this show anymore it's like Clark has changed sides so many times right, that I right. don't know if I care anymore but they took me somewhere so different from what I expected yeah. and so powerful yep. 
that it really 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 did it for me yeah. i'm like that's fucking awesome and i will i will absolutely watch whatever this show puts out yeah and i'm gl- and i'm i'm impressed at the it, i feel like a lot of shows are too afraid to take these chances with the stories that they set up yeah you know they're totally. not willing to just like let's just shuffle the board let's right. you know rearrange everything let's just kill the most famous actor on the show yeah for no reason early on yeah yeah early <laughs> in the season yeah you know? but but i yeah, I mean, th- this is what Babylon Five was missing to me. It's oh, like yeah. the season five doesn't have that. It yeah. doesn't have a like a big emotional payoff. Yeah, and then you watch the movies, and they kind of get into the, all this weird, murky stuff that also doesn't have an emotional payoff. And yeah. then I haven't watched Crusade yet, but I did watch the movie that like led into Crusade. Right, and it made me feel like I didn't need to watch Crusade. Yeah, Crusade is now where you get more into what I would consider uh, the later era of generically okay uh-huh. sci-fi where it's like yeah all right they're just totally they're trying like, what's something another, i i know what you're saying what are other shows that are like that andromeda the, and drop there you go you know yeah which i haven't watched yeah uh the one that came to mind for me was uh <laughs> what's it called earth 2525 oh, cleopatra 2525 yeah yeah, yeah 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 in the year 2525 <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was all that like the schlocky kind of mm-hmm. stuff yeah, I think Sam Raimi produced that. Yes, yeah, because it was Crazy. like Jacks of All Trade or Jack Jack of All Trade was one of the other ones. I didn't see that one. That was uh and then yeah, Cleopatra 2025. There was like a there was like a handful of those shows. Yeah. But these were all this was like uh like Xena Hercules yeah, yeah. turns into this kind of like, oh, let's yeah. just ramp up the camp, you know. Right. Yeah, and yeah, basic. I mean, Sam Raimi produced those too, didn't he? Yeah, I think so. I think, I think it's all Sam Raimi's fault. I yeah. love that guy. You know, <laughs> I love Sam Raimi. Uh, but he made a lot of me- mediocre television. Yeah, but fun. It's but not- so fun. Yeah. yeah, super fun. Like, my friend was really into Hercules, and I tried to watch it with him for like a season, and I, I couldn't get into it. Yeah. But he was so into it, and I really appreciated that for him, that he was just having this blast yeah. watching this show. That's great. And he and I actually watched some of that Cleopatra whatever it was a 25 25 i don't I know think what so 25 25 sounds yeah right. we watched a little bit of that too and because gina torres is in it and right. i loved her from firefly so we watched some of that i'm like yeah i don't need to watch this either but yeah. <laughs> but it was fun you know it's like if you need something mindless to put on yes that can do it but i don't i don't like mindless sci-fi you know right I, that's not what i'm going into sci-fi for like i i love science fiction because it can transport you in a way that nothing else can yes. like that last moment of the hundred where you're like fuck yeah like this is great it, it reminded me of watching interstellar you yeah, know yeah 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 like that moment where matthew mcconaughey has to watch that tape and you're just like gutted uh the type of the type of thing that you, things you can do with time and the human life right and just existence are the possibilities are endless so you can really surprise people with what you choose to do. Yep. And Babylon 5 really did that for me in season three. Like, yes. knocked it out of the park. Well, with, that's its high that. point. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think I think four and five could have been better seasons had it been stretched out. Because we talked about that, how four is like just right. balls out crazy. Because it feels like it's rushing through a bunch of stuff. And then I like five. I liked it better now this time than the first time through. Hmm. But in some ways, five feels empty. And I think... Uh, doing it knowing you're going to go uh, one through five, you're going to have your fifth season, knowing who's going to be there or not could have smoothed out some of those problems. For sure. It, se- it definitely seems like the situational aspect of what happened affected the show. Yeah. But I, I have a, I have a counter argument to that to make, mm-hmm. which maybe, maybe is me being a little bit of an asshole, but, oh. but here's the thing. It's like most TV shows, this shit's happening. Like yes. people are, are coming and going from the cast, right. you know, people die and, 
have to be replaced right, or written you out, or, it out. You know, these types of things happen where you, if you have an overall story, you have to adjust it. Yeah. And, and I think that, I think that, I think that Babylon 5 wasn't able to do that effectively. Yeah. I think they did it. They were, they, they existed in the wrong era. They, they were doing this kind of show early. Right. Um, I, I think if Babylon 5 had been an episodic sci-fi show where it was like, sure. oh, there's a couple of really good two, three parters, you know, then this shuffling around wouldn't have That's made such a good much point. of a difference. They were the first really, they were the first, you know, like sci-fi show like this to try to tell a serialized story. Yeah. And we owe them a lot for that. Absolutely. But they're also, you know, malformed. Because they're also of beginners. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's something that I should really take into account that I haven't been yeah. is that like the type of storytelling that I prefer is present in Babylon 5. Yeah. Like they are doing what I like. Right. And no one was doing it then. And right. they were trying to figure it out. And right. I should, I should give them credit for that. That's, and that's part of what feeds into my enjoyment of the show sure. and, and my apologies for the show. Right. It's sort of like, like Game of Thrones. If one of the actors that was in that quit or something happened, I mean, that would be. I don't know what they would do, you know, but they were able to do so far the yeah. seven, the eighth or whatever the final season is going to be. Right. And all of the principal people that they need to be in there, like they never had to, they didn't have to worry about shuffling things around or yeah. uh, drastically rewriting a story to fit right. reality changes. Right. And I think that part of the brilliance of the show is that they had this five-year plan, but mm-hmm. I think that that, in the last two years hindered the show in, right. a, in a way because like, how do we make this five-year plan now that these pieces are off the table? And yeah. I know that JMS built in these back doors, but clearly the back doors aren't always successful, you know, right. The Talia Winters one, that's another me, was one. A, a yeah. big, a big miss. Yeah. It's more to me impressive that he was able to compensate for a lot of yeah, changes totally. in, totally. in a seri- in a, in a serialized show. Yeah. You know, there's, there's like at least three major cast changes in five years, or sure. in the first four seasons, where you have um, uh, the first captain, yeah, uh, S- Sinclair. Sinclair. I was trying to think of his actor name, and I'm like, I'm never going to pull that. Yeah. yeah, you have Sinclair, and then you have Talia, and then you have Ivanova, which are those are three fairly, I think, big players in the scene. Sure, and Talia is leaving right as she's about to become. Right. A huger deal, you know? Right. And then they kind of take her storyline and give it to uh, Lita. To Lita. Yeah. Whose story arc in season five I kind of didn't like. Yeah. I, the Lita and the Byron stuff was, was wow. a thing. Okay. Let's get into that. <laughs> Let, let's do it. Because that's like the first half of season five is, yeah. is the, the whole... The Psy Wars that you knew were coming. Yeah. But this it seems like this was sort of the the prelude to the to the telepath war. Yes. You know, it's like this is kind of where the battle lines were drawn. Yeah. And it's going to be fought over the telepaths having a home world it seems. Right. Uh and Byron is like the champion of this cause where he wants to he's like, you know, this weird like almost religious figure. Messiah, yeah. Yeah, messiah figure who wants to create a homeland for the telepaths. Right. And Talia is sort of the bridge between our characters and the telepaths because right. she is a telepath, right. but, but she works with known humans. her for years. Yeah, she works with humans. Yeah. So I was really interested to see how she was going to fold into that story. Yeah. And at first it was actually kind of interesting to me that like she was kind of being swayed by this guy. Yeah. But but the whole thing got so emotionally convoluted yeah. that yeah. it lost like all all like story momentum for me. Yeah. So by the time it was over I was like, "Okay, well moving on to the next story <laughs> right, because like right. what was that?" Uh when when Tali like falls in love with Byron, I was really uncomfortable with that. Yep. It was so strange. Yeah. 
the sex scene where they're like having so sex gross. behind like a, a curtain <laughs> yeah. and all the rest of their followers are, are outside watching yeah. and then like it is explicitly shown like by the way there's no privacy with what they're doing and he's having you know visions of the torture that was done to talia by the vorlons yeah. as they're fucking yeah I'm like what is this yeah this is g- weird yeah. like I, this is i i don't i and it was never commented on. See, that's the problem. I think there's something there to be commented on, which For is sure. a telepath society involves an absolute lack of privacy. For sure. You know? Why but, didn't they even mention that? It was that. not mentioned. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There, all these things that are interesting story ideas that when not developed, feel like your characters are empty. Yeah, it like uh, feels like they're missing basic human emotion. Right. Why aren't they reacting to things in ways that seem like they would, yeah. having learned these characters over the last five years? Yeah. Uh, so that drove me a little a little crazy, but I, I came out of that whole storyline kind of lukewarm because yeah. there were so many interesting ideas. Yes, I actually found Byron to be a really interesting character, if yeah. not if not a likable character, because he's not really yeah a likable character, especially because it gets so like creepy. Yeah, and he's kind of smarmy. In yeah, his own he's way. very smart. And what I I had thought while I was watching this is that if you did this today, the Byron type character, there would all there would all be these um, foreshadowing and shades of him being like, ugh, a creepy bad cult leader guy. Yeah. Where in this he's portrayed completely uncommented on. Uh, right, and it's only the worst characters in the show who question what he's doing or who are against him. Right. Like any character who previously was identified as the good guys are like supporting him. Right. And it's it's really confusing. Like yeah. he's, you know, mortal enemies with Bester. Yeah. Which I liked hearing that backstory that, you know, yeah. Byron used to be kind of Bester's yeah. like Heavy. protege. Yeah. Uh I thought that was pretty cool. But but yeah, I mean, in a show like this, your good guys are supposed to tell you what's right and wrong in the show. Right. And that's where Babylon Five got confusing for me. Is yeah. that the the good guys seemed to not necessarily or the show didn't seem to know what was right and wrong, yeah, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And I think part of it is that JMS himself is a bit muddled on these, like, he's like, again, he's always at the higher level of, like, good versus evil. Right. But then you get down to it and you're like, oh, Garibaldi's like a bad person. Right. <laughs> totally. And he, But he's one of the good guys, you know? Right. And he's supposed to be, like, charmingly lovable because he's a bad person. Right. Which, like is done so well in so many other media. Like, look yeah. at Malcolm Reynolds. He's the perfect... Yeah. But it's, he's the perfect anti-hero, but it's constantly commented on yep. what he's doing wrong. Right. And there's people around him telling him what he's doing wrong. Yeah. You know? Whereas Garibaldi, as a security chief, being horrible is, like, what makes him good at his job. Yeah. You know? Which is... Which is interesting, but for me, it was it, this more in season four. The whole stuff about like tricking the, <laughs> tricking the uh, the other alien species to yeah. go along with the alliance. Yes. I, that seems so fucked up to me. Yeah, and it's um, so thin because it just is like that's not sustainable. You know, right? Totally. But then the show makes you the show presents it that that was good. Yes, and that Sheridan was good for doing it. Yeah. I mean, if I don't know, like, I kept feeling like they were going to comment on that, and they never did. They like, don't, and that's part yeah. of JMS's writing is he creates he creates the a. Uh, uh, problem to solve and then the way that he has his character solves the problem is through like this aha i figured out a clever trick yeah you know but it's all like that's that's a repeated thing throughout the show for sure and it really made me lose my my attachment to it by the end yeah. because i didn't have a moral sender to latch on to right and i you know i don't know if other people who watch this type of stuff are like this but for me um the reason i love another reason i love sci-fi is 
seeing morality plays. Yes. Like yeah. the the hundred is a perfect example of this. Yeah. That show is fucking gross. Like yeah. there is torture and <laughs> yes. violence unlike anything that I've seen. Right. And like mass murder and like you know, they talk about genocide constantly. It, right. It's it's very disturbing, and yeah. it is not for the faint of heart. Like the season one, there's this scene where this little girl like stabs someone in the neck and kills them, and you're like, mm-hmm. "What am I watching?" Mm-hmm. But the whole point of that show is like humanity. This is what humanity is. Can we be better than this? Right. And the answer is continually probably not. Probably not yeah. unless you change your behavior, unless you break the cycle. Right. And it's got such a great message at the core of it, and I feel like the writers never lose hold of that message, and yeah. I I see it constantly every episode. There's something there that has something to teach you as a viewer, something yeah. to gain from it that will like nourish you in a way that might make you a better person, right. even inside of this violent, gross show. And I, I expected that from Battlelong 5. And yes. I, I got it in the Londo and Jakar story, yes. for sure. Yeah, and that's, I agree with, and we've said it before, that that truly is the heart of the show. For sure. And yeah. even through season five, I fucking loved it. Like I, yeah. They did such a good job yeah. with with where they left that story. Yeah. Because they... they I man, I loved that. Th- this is my absolute favorite thing about yeah. season five, by far, is what they did with Londo and Jakar. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, because you finally get to see them operating as a team yep. the way that I wanted to at the end of season four. They, I don't know if you remember, I complained that at the end of season four, Jakar was kind of just like Londo's lapdog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. like, why why doesn't he have any of his agency anymore? Right. And he got it back in season five. Yep. And then some. Yeah. Um, besides his stuff with Lido, which was fucking gross and yeah. weird. Like, fuck that stuff. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. I want to talk about that, but we'll come back to it. <laughs> but, uh, what, but what happened with Londo, like the whole idea of the the Drac con- controlling him with this right. alien creature that they set up the season prior to make you think that Garibaldi was being controlled yep. when he wasn't mm-hmm. so that they could use it on Londo in season five. Yeah. That was awesome. Yeah. Like, I loved that. And then, you know, like you don't get to see any of this, but they leave the show and then you get to see like 20 years later that right. basically Londo turns into a monster, yep. like an absolute monster dictator, yep. his, his own worst nightmare. And and everyone from the outside thinks that that's just what he's become. He's become and they all believe it because yeah. of who he used to be. Because he did it before. Well, yeah, he went along with it before. The- right, because he was kind of a monster early right. on in the show. And yeah, he, he got gets better. redemption. Right. And then his past mistakes basically are like, nope, we're taking this away from you. Yeah. And then he's fascinating. And then he loses his agency in a way that's fascinating where yep. he becomes a slave to this other race and then right. is forced to become a monster. Right. And you know that he's just dying inside. And, and he, and he fights against it though, too. He does. Know? Yeah. And then like, that's why when Jakar comes to kill him, he says, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. You know, it's really what Fucking I love about that whole thing storytelling is right there. So much of the scenes of those are shown early on. Yeah. You see the future. Totally. But and you, you don't, don't get know, it. And you don't know how you get, you, you don't know how you yeah. wind up at that point. Totally. And then even after you see like the end of the Shadow War, right. it would be easy to go, oh, I know what happens, you know, but, but you it's don't. still different. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. That that was, that's the high bar for me. Yeah. And like, I think that's why other things that happened in the show were so disturbing because like dis- disturbing is in like, what? why did you make that choice? Oh, like, wasted I'm, potential. Like, per- disturbing is the wrong, perturbing is the right yeah, word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Things yeah. are like stuck in my and I don't use this expression, but like stuck in my craw. Stuck in your craw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like why? This why? Really fried what, my hash. Like what was the what was the reason? There's yeah. no reason for yeah. that story wise. I don't get it. Why'd you do that? It's poorly executed. Yeah. yeah. But but then you have this thing that is planted from, like the stuff that was planted from season one that was paid off. Yeah. Was perfect. Yeah. All of it. Yeah. All of it. The stuff that was planted later on. Uh, or the stuff that seemed it had to be changed. Right. Did not fit or uh, yep. or seemed weird and felt. 
it just again made me feel like I wish they had a writing staff. Yeah, and maybe uh, yeah, they did, yeah. but like every episode was written by JMS. By, yeah, you there's know? like a handful that aren't his. And yeah, it's because he like got Harlan Ellison or uh, yeah, or what's Neil his Gaiman. name, Neil Gaiman, to come and write episode. Yeah. Which that's the one time I texted you during season right, five. Like, and I was like, "Am I crazy or are Penn and Teller on Babylon Five? Yeah. And your answer was, "I don't think so. I don't think so. <laughs> I've forgotten all about that." Then I watched. Oh. It, I was like, "Oh, right, the comedians that they kept talking about." That was Rebo and Zudi. And wasn't that the Neil Gaiman episode? That was a Neil Gaiman episode. What is that? That is know. a piece of like pop culture that yeah. shouldn't exist. Yeah, is not good. Yeah, but needs to be watched. Yeah. <laughs> And it's interesting because it itself is very Neil Gaiman in the sense of, oh, here's these characters that have been mentioned repeatedly in the show. Something Let's, in Zooty. Yeah, Rebo and Zooty. Rebo and Zooty. Let's go remember. ahead and make them real in this world, you know. Uh, uh, how did you feel about that? Uh, mixed feelings. I do. I love anything that does that exploration of like, oh, here's a media character that we talked about, and now right. here they am in this world. I like that. I, I think they were trying to... I think what was supposed to come across is like, this isn't funny to you, the modern viewer watching this show, but the characters in the show love Rebo and Zudi in a way that like, well, yeah, it doesn't make sense because you're not part of their culture. You're not part sure. of, you know, uh, if you, I, it's like watching, I was trying to think of something like Saturday Night Live. If you went back to like, I don't know, the 1850s, and we're trying to like, here's some sketches. You'd be like, well, I don't know why this is supposed to be funny right. for some of them, perhaps. Totally. Um, I or, think that there's a way to write that where that comes across more than just like, I don't know how to write jokes. Yeah, exactly. And that's, and that's, that's, yeah, it doesn't come across right. Yeah. I, it was so jarring. And I, I, it's still, you can't get past the fact that it's Penn and Teller. Right. It, that's the thing is that like, it was stunt casting stunt casting yes. and, it, and for me it doesn't work because they were playing themselves and they're not in the actors at playing themselves in the roles that they are known for they were doing the exact same thing like teller was still silent right pen and teller yeah yeah pen gillette yeah and something teller. teller teller's the silent one right yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh but it, it i don't know the because it's sci-fi and because it's trying to be a logical show that says like this is what could happen in the future it is it is literally impossible that two people that look exactly like Penn and Teller <laughs> in every way are going to be doing that sketch under different names in the future like that is not possible so i so if it was like if it was a time travel story where Penn and Teller were taken from the past and are now on Babylon 5, I'm more into that. Like I, that, I, If it had been revealed that they were actually Penn and Teller and they had time traveled, I'm more okay with that. Yeah. <laughs> but like just doing it and expecting the audience to go along with it, yeah. for me, like breaks a bond of trust yeah, with it, the creator. This had already this had been broken a while back, you yeah. know? Uh, there was several times throughout the show where I I stopped trusting the show. Right. And which which allows me which doesn't allow me to invest emotionally. Ah, uh, yeah. You know, like I trust the hundred, so I invest in that show. Right, and I right, right, right. Am emotionally gutted by what happens, even though it's ridiculous. Yeah. Whereas in Babylon Five, I had that in season three. Like, yeah, I definitely had that in season four. Uh, kind of broke that for me with the Marcus yeah. thing, yeah. and then never really earned it back. Yeah. Which I'll be honest, disappointed me because I I liked being emotionally invested in this show. Yeah. And I was a little bummed out that the show didn't earn that back for me by the end of it. Some people think season five is their worst season. They 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 dislike it more than the other seasons because all these payoffs stop happening. Um, I think in emotionally satisfying ways. You know. Right. 
Yeah, and if it didn't have the Londo and Jakar thing, I could yeah sort of understand that argument. But it's so much better produced than season one. Yes, well, or, that's or now, season two. Well, yeah, now you have the TNT money. That's the that's yeah. the shift there. Yeah, I mean they they know what they're doing at this point. They've been yeah. making the show for five years. It, sh- it to me it shows that if Babylon Five started at TNT or mm. with that kind of funding, and even that even that much further ahead in time, yeah, it would have been you know. I think a, a, I still think it's a classic. I still think it's great, but it would have been a more universally acknowledged like, oh, yeah, this was a well done thing. Right. And there, I think there's something in this show that appeals to a, a type of nerd that I am not, ah, you know, yeah, 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 if yeah. that makes sense. Like, yeah. I, I don't know. Like, I, I like to get wrapped up in things where I can feel like when I am supporting it, I'm supporting a thing that is good. Right. Like. Uh, or like good for the world in some way, uh, right, right? So it right. allows me to kind of overlook like all the flaws in Star Trek. Like, gotcha. it doesn't because break... Star Trek has a utopian ideals, right? Because Star Trek is is trying to bring the world together and make it better through science right. and technology and you know compassion and empathy and right. everything that I love and stand for is right. in that show um, to varying degrees. Then you have shit like you know uh, one of the episodes. Uh, there's an episode of Deep Space Nine actually that totally broke that world for me and made me so mad. The one where he fakes the evidence. No, I love that episode. Okay. Oh my god, in the pale moonlight, that episode is amazing. Okay, yeah. Which one? Uh, the one with uh, Worf's brother Kern, where like spoiler alert, oh, where they mind wipe, where him? they mind wipe him and yeah. make him a Bajoran. Yeah, I hated that. Yeah, that I hated that. I hated that as much as I hated the whole Marcus. Oh sure, Ivanova thing. It's a very similar feeling moment where like one character makes a decision for another character that completely yeah. alters everything about their life in a way that they probably wouldn't choose for themselves. Right. Uh, and there's something that feels like sort of, I don't know, like I, I hesitate to use this word, but it feels almost like rape. Yeah. Well, it is a violation. Yeah. I mean, it is absolutely that. Yeah. I mean, so it really bothers me that when those things happen and they don't, and they go unquestioned. Sure. And they never brought it up again yeah. on Deep Space Nine. Right. And uh, Deep Space Nine, that's par for the course. Nothing gets <laughs> examined because it's just, it happens. And then... You know, all the horrible things that happened to O'Brien. Oh, totally. You know, you're never like, why is he not just a fucking drunken wreck? Right. You know? Right. Uh, Something like that that would be explored today, because you can go a little bit darker. Yeah, because and it's not, again, episodic versus serialized. So Babylon 5, it's weird to me, because Babylon 5, a lot of its critiques come about because it's like yeah well i was swinging for the stars you know right i was trying to do this big grand thing and it stumbled quite a bit where it was if it had been like yeah you know if we just reset it every time most of it would be something you wouldn't care about because that would be expected but because it tries to reach for these things and because it sets up these things when they fail they fail bigger yeah i totally i get that for sure and it's interesting because like when when they don't explore what happens to Miles's psyche on Deep Space Nine, mm-hmm. I accept it because I'm very forgiving of that show. Right. You know, because it's Star Trek and because I, I grew up loving Star Trek yeah. and I I love that world and I love what it's all about. So I'm very right. forgiving of it. Whereas mm-hmm. with Babylon 5, I was vi- I was not very forgiving because I'm, you know, yeah. I'm 33 years old watching this show for the first time. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, I, yeah, yeah. It's been hyped up for me for like a long time from sure. a lot of different people. Yep. And I, I keep being told by people you know, watching through Babylon 5 is, I'm jealous of you. That's one of the great experiences I've ever had. Right. And the last time someone said that to me was Doctor Who, and they were right. So uh, I was expecting yeah. them to be right See, what's time. funny is that Doctor Who, I would be like, mm, no. <laughs> I like I like Doctor Who, but Doctor Who is just, it's just cartoon. 
Totally. You know, so it's not like, oh, oh, I'm loving that I get to watch this, you know? Yeah. Where Babylon 5, I do feel that way. You know, I still would envy someone who likes sci-fi, who hadn't seen Babylon 5 to watch it, flaws and all. I, I'm feeling like I'm coming off as pretty negative, and it, it no, definitely no, was not. I to- a, I totally it was not a it. negative experience for yeah. me watching it. Yeah, um, like again, it's something that I feel like you have to watch if you're into sci-fi. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Well, let's talk more about what happened this season, sure. Because uh, I we t- I, we touched on that whole thing with Lita and Jakar. Yeah, but that was really bizarre. Like, yeah, <laughs> I felt like that was them trying to circle back and go, oh, you know, in the pilot we set up this creepy Jakar Lita moment and then yeah. never talked about it like, again. Jakar wants to fuck Lita and yeah. he's not shy about sharing that information with right. her, but it's done in a way that uh, is very creepy yeah. and very uncomfortable. And then you get to a point in the season where Lita is, is looking for a leg up to help her with her telepath situation. Right. And she starts to lead on Jakar. Right. Like, and they go off together, traveling the galaxy, looking for a home for telepaths. Right. Uh, and it, and it's uncomfortable. It feels, it feels like, She's being put in a very bad situation yeah, with a yeah. character that you've come to love and respect yeah. being the abuser in that situation. Right. And see, I don't think there are intended to be dark overtones in that. I think it's I another I think it's, I think it's to an be oversight funny. on yeah. on JMS's part. I think it is done for laughs. I think it's yeah. done to be charming. I yeah. think it I think he thinks that it's charming on the part of Jakar. Yeah. And it's and it's really not, and it really stuck out like a sore thumb to Absolutely. me. Absolutely. And I wonder if he would say that now or if I, I would hope so. It's the same thing that I thought about Marcus, where I feel like Marcus's storyline has this obsession with Ivanova that doesn't make any sense and should be explored as like that's creepy, dude. Like, oh yeah, you know you know, and Lanier's obsession with yeah. uh, with Delenn. Absolutely, also. those should both be viewed in the, uh, the with the eye of like incel culture of like there's this toxic masculinity aspect of feeling. Uh, ownership of a woman or possession of a woman just because of your own feelings. Right. Like now that this person owes you some attention. Right. Where it's just your obsession that you've projected out onto them. It's almost like it's too scary to have a female partner as a as a male. It's too scary to have one that is your equal. So right. you need to have one that you can like be superior to. Yeah. Yeah. Which I really dislike and I, I obviously I hate that for a lot of reasons. Sure. And I don't like when it is subconsciously presented in TV right. because I think that that's dangerous. I think yeah. that that's like a big part of why we have, you know, continuing problems, you know, with such rampant sexism Yeah, is because these type of things are subliminally passed down constantly because you have male writers with feelings of inadequacy who are yeah. writing these women that they can control right. to make themselves feel good. Yep. And I, I get that impulse. I've, I've written stuff that I'm sure is like that, that never saw the light of day when <laughs> I was younger. Yep. Uh, or or thought that things were good when I was younger that are like that, that I right. now see differently. And I, I think that, you know, the whole Me Too movement has been like a wake-up call to that. Absolutely. Which yeah. I th- in a really positive way. And I wonder if I would have been this upset by Babylon 5 like five years ago, I probably, right. I probably wouldn't have been, but I think it's okay to be that upset about it now. <laughs> yeah, uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and I do think that it'll be interesting if we do uh, watch deep space nine and talk about it yeah because there are some things in deep space nine that i think are just due to the nature of episodic television and due to the nature of deep space nine being a dark star trek but not like a dark dark star trek Uh go completely unignored and if you start to scratch the surface it's like oh "Oh, no that's fucked up Mm." well then it is i think it would be really worthwhile to do you know because like i i have enough distance from deep space nine now that i mean it's i watched it when i first 
Well, I've watched it a couple times all the way through. Yeah. Um, and then I watched like a little bit of it as a kid when it first came out. Yeah. But the last time I watched it all the way through where I made sure I saw every single episode. Yeah. Because uh, there had been like maybe five I'd never seen. Yeah. Which was such a treat. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> uh, that was about eight years ago when I gotcha. first moved to town. Oh, yeah. That'd be, I think you're due. Oh, yeah, for sure. I'm and I'm totally looking, I mean, I just watched them all uh, once we, when we started doing this, I went and I remember you saying that. Nine. Yeah. To, like, but that was together. great because that got me. I watched all of Deep Six Nine and then I went and watched all of Voyager. I did uh, that too eight years ago. <laughs> yeah. And then I did Enterprise again. And uh, then I circled back and did original series. That is literally exactly what I did when I moved to Seattle. Mm-hmm. I started with Deep Space Nine and I went uh, I went exactly that order. Yeah. Um, and then I watched Next Generation again when it was remastered. Yeah. I'm getting ready to do that. I, um, I'm... Watching like the hundred, and yeah, I'm I'm on my second rewatch of the Shannara Chronicles. Is that good? <laughs> no. Uh, is it worth watching? I'm watching it twice. So <laughs> you tell me. Okay, I might watch that because it, it. I love like post-apocalyptic young adult stuff. It's oh, just yeah, it's it's, it's just, CW fantasy. I probably watch. Yeah, it. it's it's so like I love genre fiction and yeah. I love bad genre fiction as yeah. well. So all like the CW superhero stuff, the Arrowverse, I'm all caught up on all of those. Yeah. I watched, you know, multiple times, that kind of stuff. That's just, something on my list to watch. I, I, I mean, Legends of Tomorrow is a great, weird, bizarre, it's its own thing and it's beautiful, you cool. know. I'm, Arrow I'm, is grim. It's and, something I've always planned to do because I love superhero shit, you yeah. know. I, I really do. Um, so yeah, Shinara yeah. is just, it's, you know, angsty, like, <laughs> pouty lip teens, fighting the good fight against the evil and oh i will sacrifice the whole world to save my uncle (laughs) that sounds like the hundred yeah yeah Yeah. except it's not not as good okay (laughs) yeah it's it's still more hokey than the hundred yeah and i think it got canceled i think they just did the two seasons bummer yeah did you ever watch the stargate shows no but i did recently look online because uh, I saw, I yeah, after I watched season five of The 100, I was like, who is this guy that made this show? Wait, no, is it The 100? Travelers? Brad Travelers, Knight? that's what it was. Oh, so good, right? I watched season two of Travelers. Oh. I was like, wait, there's one guy who's listed as Brad the Wright. show creator. Yeah, okay. he ran Stargate. So that's how I did That's how I got into Travelers, because oh. I was like, please let Brad Wright make more sci-fi. Oh, see, Dude, I, you should go I, back and watch Stargate shows. Well, I will, because I loved the movie. Oh, man, um, I fucking love that movie. And those shows were awesome. Yeah. And they are so campy and dumb. That's and what it, I'm looking forward to. Yeah. It took For me, it took actually like four or five seasons to really kick in gear. Yeah. But seasons like five, six, and seven of Stargate SG One are some of my favorite TV. Yeah, and I like campy, campy genre fiction. Yeah. So they they hit they hit the perfect sweet spot of like this is too stupid to exist, yeah. and this is like so intense I can't believe it. So the reason that I never started watching Stargate is once it got to the point where I would watch it, I was like, oh, there's like it's still happening, and there's like another Stargate thing. So in my mind, it's like once they're all settled and done, then I'll go back and like. Consume right. all of the Stargates, so it is time. And, it, and I had forgotten about it, but yeah, Travelers is what backed me into that. Where I, I was like, "Oh, what did this guy make?" I was like, "Oh, Stargate, perfect." Yep, I could show you right now, like the third um, tab open on my phone's <laughs> browser is, is suggested viewing over order for Stargate. Oh, nice. It's because yeah, you should totally. I didn't watch that with the viewing order because Atlantis I'm, and SG One kind of overlap. T- so for me. It, 
suggested viewing order, what I want to see is when were they released chronologically? Because that's yeah. how I'll watch it. That's I, perfect. I, I don't yeah. ever watch. I don't like to watch things out of chronological order. Oh, I can tie that back in Babylon Five. There is one thing that uh, is weird about the way you watch it that's minor is that one like Cthulhu in space episode movie not episode but the third space right uh that is a TNT era movie that was released yeah that's originally weird. midway through season five so you have a double whammy of like oh here's the new season oh there's no Ivanova and then <laughs> and then she's back then she's back in a movie that takes place earlier in the timeline so it's completely unsatisfying it's like oh yeah. Uh, it's like an episode I forgot to watch, and that episode, uh, that movie is also like very forgettable. Yeah, it's in yeah, my mind. It's, again, it's like a th- that movie is what midline I think Babylon Five would have been as an episodic show. Yeah, it would have been like things like that. They happen. Maybe this is an arc story because it's like a big movie, and then yeah, some relationship stuff continues through. But other than that, there's no ongoing threads. Right. Yeah. Totally. Which to me. That like that show would not be fun to watch. Mm-hmm. You know, with, the day to day operations of Babylon Five never got very interesting to right. me. Whereas I will watch Miles O'Brien take apart like our Cardassian space station all day, every day, and be happy. Like I love the operations on Deep Space Nine. I think was you know the most interesting of all the Star Treks because they were constantly trying to figure out how to make this Cardassian space right. station work with Federation technology. Right. Which it's like, it, it almost doesn't make sense that they'd even do that. No, of course not. It's like, like logically it's implausible. Yeah. You know? But, but it's great. Like it's, it's great. <laughs> it's great for an interesting story. Yeah. You know? And it's also so good thematically for the show is that like the whole show is about trying to build peace after you've been at war with someone. Right. And I think that physically being in a space of someone who then becomes an en- an active enemy during the show, right? Who was an enemy in the past and becomes one again says a lot about the show that yeah. you know that they make that home and they have ownership over it and they have no issue o- about it being built by Cardassians. They right. still love it as theirs, right? I think that's like really cool, and you yeah. know, I think that, also, that could but, have been accidental. I, I don't even well, know. If I was going to say that's also that. something that's not in the. It's a subtext at best. So that's sure. a, that's a sense that you you right. you bring that story for sure to that. But that's also exactly what I do with Babylon Five, right? Where there's things where it's like I'm clearly projecting right my version of what this says onto it, you know? Yeah, and for me, like the vision at the center of Star Trek allows me to project my subtext yeah. and and write even better story. Whereas when it right. happens in Babylon Five, it makes me mad and it makes me yeah wary because uh, JMS as a writer is not a utopian vision writer, and it wasn't sure. like oh once humanity gets out into space and they do these things then get rid of their worst instincts and you know right things will be better and the one episode that i is one of my favorites that's really weird is the one at the end of season four where they just keep jumping forward in time right right more and more and you get to see like basically five pilots for right <laughs> proposed sci-fi things from jms and some of them are hokey as shit but the idea is that it's like nothing it's not until a million years later a million years into the future of humanity, they're like, ah, yeah, maybe we're not that bad now, as far yeah, as we can tell. I guess like what bothered me about that is that it makes the it basically the whole show, the whole premise is like we have to fight for what's right and we have to protect right, you know, the innocent from this evil that's right. coming to take over. But we'll never win. But in the end, it basically says like well, even if we do win, it doesn't matter doesn't because matter. we're garbage anyway. Right, or and, evil will come back. Right, or something else will happen. And 
and it it just made the whole experience feel like unnecessary in a way. Right. Like, well, the see, whole, it's, yeah, yeah, it's nihilistic. It is nihilistic, but that's and, what I like about it. That's, that's interesting. It's yeah. one of the things that I don't mind about Star Trek because we'll never make Star Treks that take place in a. Well, no one would ever make a utopia story because it would be boring you'd just be watching people going about a life with no danger and enjoying it you know right that'd be the worst <laughs> entertainment yeah. but star trek is fighting for utopia they're fighting for utopia but the thing is that in the long view they're they're also not going to win you know i mean yeah i think that did you ever oh sorry what, i don't what, want to interrupt you oh i was just gonna say what well go for it uh the brian fuller's proposal for the uh, they never made it, but it was a for discovery. No, yeah, but instead of discovery, before discovery. Oh no, what was it? It's called the Federation. Oh, and it takes place in the year of the equivalent. It's, it's the year three thousand, and the Federation is like a falling apart shambles. Oh it's my like, god, it's like a weak power, and he he. It's you can read the treatment online. Oh my god, and it, he gives you a summary of where all the different major players from you know tng era modern star trek where they are three thousand years in the future and it's fascinating and it was awesome. i would have loved if that i would have loved that too i actually the but last it's, it's depressing as shit though the last That's, podcast i recorded uh with with wes who's a fellow sci-fi podcaster we talked about the new picard show and how what we'd love to see happen is that because of what happened during the dominion war and because of what cisco did with right. like faking the evidence for the romulans and because of like you know, Section 31 being revealed right. that the Federation basically falls apart right. and that we'd want to see a show about Picard trying to, maybe he's left the Federation right. and he has to come back and put it back together. Right. Because because it is revealed in Deep Space Nine that this utopia is built on a lie. Yes. And I think that there's something, like that's something that I struggle with every time I watch the show because it seems that there's something like fun, fundamentally like broken about that as a story. It's yeah. Like, it's like, that doesn't make sense, kind of. But I, but it could if you explored it more. If like, you explored it more, the, right? You could make it broke make apart because of that, mm-hmm. and and had to be rebuilt. Yeah, like with with that knowledge out in in the forefront, you know. And maybe the Federation is rebuilt instead of being focused on Earth or like founded on Earth. It's founded somewhere else, and humans right. are allowed to participate. Like I think that there's a way forward with that that keeps the the message of Star Trek intact while addressing that that fucked up thing happened. And I think that that's actually a super worthwhile story to tell. Yeah. And it sounds like that, like Brian Fuller was thinking something similar. Absolutely, yeah, and yeah. It's very disappointing to find out that we didn't get that because yeah. the future of the Federation is what I what we need from a Star Trek show. We don't need to keep going back to the past. Yeah, it, it makes it irrelevant. Yeah, and, I mean, I, that said, I do like Discovery, but yeah, I would have liked I know this you other do. show better. That's a whole other discussion because <laughs> I I hated that show. Yeah, it, it's I mean, I, it's 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 Star Trek. It's a great Star. It's the best first season of any Star Trek. I hate and it's only it. halfway through. <laughs> I it's hate thirteen episodes. I hate watched it. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed hate watching it, but I I was complaining about it constantly. Sure, I was just like, this makes yeah. no sense. These characters yeah. are ridiculous. I know, but if you and- watch the original series, you pick the first yeah. thirteen episodes of the original series. Sure, there's none of them are even close to being as good as any one of the episodes of Discovery. Oh it's, my god, it's a I great don't, promise for what comes. Forward, I don't feel but- like Dis- the good episodes though of the original series. I don't think Discovery got anywhere close to being as good ever. As the good episodes of the original series of of in the first thirteen, not in the first thirteen, because okay, that's so, all we've and, got so far. Discovery, because oh, now right. we're cherry picking of like right, right, right. You know, I, I don't remember what the first thirteen episodes were, so I'm guessing no. Because yeah. for me, like I'm <laughs> well, thinking of Kirk invents like, time travel twice. Yeah, what's the the Tower of Babel episode uh, where Kirk is like dressed as a I, Vulcan and oh oh my god, that shit was awesome. Or okay. uh, Balance of Terror. I mean. 
There's, I'm bad with the names of them. That's the one where there's like the naval battle in space with the Romulans. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah and it's yeah. so good. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's episodes of the original series that are, in my mind, as good as anything that's ever happened in Star Trek. Yeah. But there are a lot of bad ones. A lot of bad ones. A lot of yeah. episodes that it's just like almost painfully bad to sit through. Right. And there are a handful of every Star Trek series that are painfully Absolutely. bad and hard to sit my through. My point with Discovery is take the first 13 episodes of any of the shows. Right. The, the first 13 episodes, compare them against the... Sure. Like, what is the first 13 episodes of this show? Right. And Discovery holds its own or is better? Yeah. For me, Discovery had no moral center. It had no ethos. It had no mm-hmm. reason for existing, especially right. as a Star Trek show. Right. Uh, I think so- a lot of that comes in as it is Star Trek, so you should already be aware of that. Um, yeah. But I do agree that it doesn't do a good job of restating the ethos, you know? Well, and I hope it's something that does get addressed. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I also know that the showrunners of season one were fired for being abusive to the staff, mm. and we get complete new showrunners in season two. Yeah. So the whole writing staff is going to be... Well, right. I, the, the people running the writing staff are going to be different. And, right. Uh, it's going to be a very different show in season two. That's going to be real interesting to see. Yeah. Well, one so, of the other things that Brian Fuller, before he uh, left or was pushed out, I don't know what the deal is there. Yeah. But the, one of the other ideas was that every season was going to be a new crew. Right. And a like new an discovery. show. Yeah. yeah. And that, I think, is another missed opportunity. Yeah. I think I, I heard that way back in the day before Discovery came out. And I was not excited about that oh. because... I love getting to know a crew over seven years. That's yeah. my favorite thing about... I keep saying my favorite. It's one of my favorite things about Star Trek. Yeah. But I was also super on board to try it because it's never been done. I'm like, yeah. well, why not? That's and what after, I want. I want... After Discovery Season 1, I would have loved that. Yeah. Like, give me something totally different in Season <laughs> 2 because this did not satisfy me. Yeah, even though I liked Discovery Season 1, I would have loved to have seen the doing something different. But yeah. again, back to Babylon 5, I like a show that takes a big swing even if it whiffs it because it took the swing more than a show that's like, eh, I could bunt and get on base. I think yeah. I'm all the way through a baseball metaphor correctly. <laughs> well done. <laughs> it's funny that we talk about anthology shows though, because the, the movie you didn't watch was intended to be a new series that was an anthology show. Oh, interesting. Where it was like short, it was like 20, 30 minute stories inside of the Battle Babylon 5 universe that right. focused on one character at a time. Gotcha. So one of them is, uh, what's the new captain's name in season five? Oh, uh, Whoa, Lockley, Captain Lockley. 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 It was a story about her, and it was one of one of, if not like the lowest point of all of Babylon Uh, Five. Yeah, it was atrociously bad. Yeah, it it involved an actual exorcism of a demon. Uh, I'm not kidding. So it's like the ghost uh, Scottish ghost sex uh, of TNG. But but worse because it wasn't even supposed to be sci-fi at this point. It turned into like a gothic horror. Yeah. And it was supposed to, I think it was supposed to actually be a demon from the Bible. Right, it, right. Which, in a show that, ha- that like, found a way to explain what angels are through right. sci-fi was so, like... Why throw away a fantasy demon? Totally. Like, yeah. why do that? If you're going to do that, make it an alien of some kind. It's right. so easy. Doctor Who did it with yeah. the devil. You know, it was really interesting. Yeah. Uh, so, it was just pointless and bad. But then the one with Sheridan in it was it had some interesting points. Yeah. And the budget was atrociously low the budget was like beyond low to the point where they were sitting in a in a blank room and sheridan had to explain that they were on a i think it was a minbari ship because they've become so minimalist that there's like nothing it's literally nothing there or something like that stage play 
It was it was like a Babylon Five stage play, yeah. totally. And uh, Terrell <laughs> yeah. Rothery was this, I don't know how to say her name, but she was there. She was the doctor on SG One. Yeah, I love that actress. But but the the dialogue was good enough that that was redeemable. Right. Yep. Uh, but then they never made it again. And uh, JMS said like the the amount of money they're willing to give us to make this is not worth making it for. Yeah. You know. Yep. That um, makes sense. Yeah. So that that was overall pretty bad. And a weird last taste to have in my mouth of yeah. Babylon 5. And the Legend of the Rangers movie also was pretty bad. Yeah. I, I had watched that when it had come out. And by that point in time, I was still super looking forward to like more satisfying Babylon 5 things. Yeah. Because season five had left me disappointed um, just because I had been so ramped up from three and four. Like I said, now yeah. I like season five more knowing going into it what I'm going to get. But then I watched Legends of the Rangers, and I was like, oh, okay, hopefully Crusade. And I was like, oh, no, this is not for me. Yeah. Where Now I think I would enjoy Crusade because it's I know that it's like, yeah, it's just like not good campy-ish sci-fi, you know? Yeah, it's crazy that Legend of the Rangers was actually, I think it was made as a pilot, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's, it's, it's like, it's supposed to be another show. So let's set up Crusade, you know, and have Jakar here to do the handoff to draw people in to watch it. Yeah, I so I haven't seen Crusade. I know that well there was the movie where uh which I don't remember what it was called where Sheridan was there and there was like the earth was a- attacked and they have 5 years to solve the virus that's going to kill everyone on earth or get an antidote or something. Oh, uh, see that's an, probably another one that I haven't seen then. The that one method. directly sets up Crusade. Okay. Like uh Oh, okay. Then that is okay, that's what I've seen it's just been so long I'm not okay. remembering them. And then there's one called Legend of the Rangers where it's like a totally different crew. Oh! That's the one where they didn't do a series. That right. was that they, was that another was a pilot, pilot of an of another show that, that didn't was supposed get made. to be for Sci Fi Channel, maybe. I, so I don't remember, okay. but that, it was it was it was okay. It was just kind of boring. Yeah, um, it, yeah, it was just like another adventure in the Babylon Five world, right? Which but, this is the problem I think about Babylon Five being uh, uh, serialized and not episodic is that doing one off stories in that world are kind of less interesting, right? Unless it somehow makes a different view into a thing that you already know that happened, like adds a new twist or like here it is from another angle or like fills in a gap in a way. But when it's just like, oh, here's like a episode to me, that's not what I would want. And why would I now? I don't care. You know, I can, I get episodic (laughs) sci-fi. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, there was something, something a little bit lacking for me in season five where I honestly, yeah. like when I think back on what happened, it's hard to even think of that much. There, there was the, the telepath situation that took right. up the first half of the season. And then you kind of build towards the, the, the Drak right. Influence over the Drazi and right. Like the, the Drazi war and the Alliance falling apart, the Alliance falling apart. Yeah. And, but then like, but then what happened? It like got put back together. I don't know. Yeah. And no, I don't remember. It's just, it's just not that, it wasn't that memorable to me. Yeah. And I don't know. Uh, but <laughs> it just kind of, it was just like missing a little bit. Yeah, me. I agree. And then it's as uh, with any of the Babylon 5 stuff, you, it's easily pulled apart. We're like all the telepath stuff. Once you really think about like, oh, wait, only Earth is the one that has this like weird line drawn between their humans and their telepaths and and yeah. we're like we're pushing them so hard that they're gonna start a war or go get their own planet like 
Everyone else is just like cool with their telepaths. Yeah. They're just part of their normal society, you know? It was interesting to see Lita talk to Byron where Byron was talking about mundanes. Yeah. And talking about how they're not really worthy of what they have and telepaths are better. Like right. the same like basically being, you know, racist against mundanes. Mundanes, yeah. And you expect Lita to say, No, that's not true. I've worked with these people. Right. But she's been treated so badly by them that she can't say that and is kind of swayed to his side. Yeah. And for me, I'm like, there are no heroes yeah. on this show. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe Londo is yeah. kind of in the end the only real hero here. Maybe Jakar. Yeah. I, I found the book of Jakar stuff to be interesting. Like yeah. the whole religious movement yeah. built up around him, I thought was... And his forgiveness pretty... of, of Londo is interesting. Yeah, I thought all of that was really well done. All, all of Jakar's writing in season five was great, except for his stuff with Lita. I yeah, thought. and I still feel like that was him trying to either square what had happened to the pilot or... Or, or that had funny. been something that was in his mind all along. I don't know. I think that but I think that he had a crush on these women. Yeah, that's could see that. Obviously, I mean, he asked out Ivanova. Like the right. the whole awkward scene where that lieutenant who Corwin. Oh yeah, the guy who's just there. The like yeah, the, I love that guy. He's always col- great. He looks like the college college frat guy just yeah hanging out in C and C. Yeah, he's. I loved him all the whole five seasons. Yeah, uh, use him more, please. <laughs> but when he asked out Ivanova, it was really awkward. Yeah, and then I found out that. Uh, JMS actually like took Claudia Christian out on this awkward date. Right. I wondered, I which came first, <laughs> and I actually found a quote where he was saying how like part of the reason he wanted to make Talia and Ivanova fall in love was like uh, was like a puerile fantasy. Oh yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, like the childhood fantasy of it or something like right. that, which really disappointed me. And yeah, because now it's like your own motivations for doing this, right? Take away any kind of interesting aspect that could come from it and it completely devalues the representation mm-hmm. from at least from the creator's point of view yeah. it doesn't devalue the fact that it existed at all which right. is still important because yeah. there was no representation at that point right uh but but to find out that he that maybe it was put in like a, a lesbian situation was put in because right. the creator was turned on by right. it, right. not because he wanted to tell a human story about two people who are in love who happen to be women right it's frustrating. Yep. Yeah. Yep, I agree. Yeah. I mean, when I started to dive into, because there's so much out there, but well, like, that's interviews the other th- with JMS. The other so thing that's interesting about Babylon 5 is that he's is really that talked about there's, it. There's no, I think there's no more annotated show yeah. by its creator, especially before the era of like director's cuts or behind the scenes stuff. But right. that, that people have or called podcasts. it like this or podcast. Yeah. yeah. This was like the first show that w- existed with the internet and a active fan base and the creator all being there, you know? Right. I think those things now are par for the course Very common. with shows. Yeah, totally. Yeah. But a lot of what I read kind of made me like the show less. Oh, interesting. So I've never read more than surface stuff about that. Yeah. And I've shared everything with you already that made me like the show less. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's all the stuff I've already said. Oh yeah. I, I, yeah. I get it. Yeah. It's the kind of thing that would probably make me like, Oh, maybe I don't, tell people to watch this show <laughs> well for me i i questioned the i questioned the creator the whole time like i was questioning oh, yeah. whenever i watch a show like i like i said i want them to earn my trust and they don't unless i trust the creators of the show so right. i actually like to follow showrunners you know yeah, yeah. I, I followed carlton cues from lost to colony oh yeah not not because not because 
Lost was a good show, but because it had moments of greatness, yeah. you know, and I was curious to see what he'd do next, and because he made Briscoe County Jr., and that show was awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and Colony's great. I I, I like Colony. Yeah, yeah. I, I stalled halfway through season two and just kind of waiting for it to, because yeah. I was pirating it, and I just, uh, yeah. it was just too, more trouble Yeah, so I think season one and two are both on Netflix now. Yeah, okay, I need to get caught up yeah. for sure, because I was really enjoying it. Colony's on my list to do a rewatch, because I remember, I did like that show, but also that was another one where I get continually mad at the heroes of the show who will sacrifice me random npc who's not in your immediate family to save like your daughter or your mom or your girlfriend yeah you know your brother your husband whatever but in the, the hundred does it continuously yeah Conti- continuously yeah where one character will sacrifice literally everything for one other person. Right. And it's so frustrating. I watched something recently where they were going on about how we don't trade lives. And I don't remember what it was, but it was something that I watched that I liked, I think. Uh, Does that ring a bell? What no, show was that? But I would I'd be curious to know. What was I watching? It was something it was a show like this. Yeah. Probably sci fi. But I don't remember. Yeah. Maybe it was Iron Chef. I don't know. <laughs> but something about like that was a theme of the show is that like that's so common, but we we have to stop doing that. Like we don't do that anymore. You know? Yeah. And it's interesting the way we do it because it one, it always works out. Right. You know, as a trope, I don't know of many times that I can think of where it's been, oh, well, I did rescue my daughter's favorite dolly, but yeah, now this whole city got leveled. So right. I have to live with that, you know? Yeah, totally. It's it's interesting. I think that the reason that happens is because it is dramatically, you know, yeah, easy to write. Absolutely, yeah. And I think that a lot of shows just fall down the easiest dramatic hole that they can fall down because right. these writers are overworked and, like, tired and need to finish and get something written. Yeah. And, you know... Like like Michael Piller said on the Star Trek The Next Generation behind the scenes of, I think, season three DVD, <laughs> uh, when, uh, spoilers for Star Trek The Next Generation, <laughs> when Worf's mate Kalar is killed. Right. And he said, like, we can't kill our main characters, but we can hurt them. And right. And that's why he did that. Yeah. Was to hurt Worf. Yeah. And it's really good. You yeah. know, it hurts. It's like, right. it's an awful, you love Kalar. She's such a great character. Yeah. You wish she'd like move onto the ship and be there all the right. time. But then she's killed and Worf is left with this kid that he didn't know existed. And right. he continues to be a terrible father all the way through Deep Space Nine. Yeah. And it's just such a, a dramatically rich thing to do that is not, I'm, I, I don't know, but but like they pay off because they continue to work with that as a moment of of pain for the rest of Worf's existence right. on Star Trek. You know, it is it is it is not dropped, it is not let go. That is a thing that hurts him and and continues to hurt him as a character. Yeah. Uh whereas like, you know, what you're talking about where you just kind of like throw someone in front of like like you know Han Solo casually throwing someone to a rap Rathtar yeah. <laughs> throw it to the Rathtar so that his, he can survive. Like right. there it works for that character and it works in that moment because he's someone who is kind of known for shooting first. Right. Uh, but when you start to do it casually because you need to continue a story right. and you don't address it is when it starts to feel lazy. Yes. Yeah. And in the, 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 the not that we're analyzing every show we've just been talking about, the one in the hundred that gets me going is that all of the characters basically seem to have been presented with the opportunity to sacrifice the many to save the one. Yeah. Uh, and then they, anyone who has been in that position has argued the other side of that when it's not their loved one that is the one that needs to be saved. Right. And that's the part that makes me mad is it's like, well, now you're all being, you know, 
inconsistent in an unexamined way. Yeah. And every once in a while, you'll get someone who'll say, well, what about when you did this? And they'll go, yeah, but that was different. And then that's pretty much as far as they get to it. Yeah, they they continually call out Clark in particular for right, but for also that. just but then but then she's calling her out all the time. But you know what I liked about season five was that she was kind of in a way removed from power. You know, yeah, like Maddie kind of took power from her because yeah. she recognized that Clark was making the wrong choices. Right, and I, it it was a little bit subtextual though. But yeah. I I do feel like and she'll always be the hero, even if they take her yeah. power away. It's I'm, still going to be her then fighting back against the injustice of the people who now have the power. I I think that Clark should be written out of that show i think I that too. she's kind of holding the show back in yeah. a way be- yeah. because of reasons like this right but they this year they used her as a pivot point more than a character yeah where she just kind of went back and forth based off of what what would save maddie in that moment right right which to me was super inconsistent and yeah. annoying yeah. but i but i forgive it because they got somewhere you yeah. know like if a story if i don't like a story that's okay right if the story gets somewhere yeah it's worth it to me yeah Agreed. Yeah. And Babylon 5 got somewhere in season three and then and then yeah. never really got anywhere else for me. Yeah. And I, I liked it. Uh, I still thought season, f- season four got to good places. It did. It yeah. did for sure. And I like I like I've said, I think last time season four, I loved all the way until like the last couple episodes. Yeah. But because of where it got like this yeah. is the reverse problem where the <laughs> substance of that season was great. But because of where it got, it kind of like unraveled what I liked about it. Right, right, right. And season five, I wanted... I really wanted something big yeah. to kind of bring me back around to loving the world. And yep. the, the only thing that happened that way for me was the resolution of Londo's story. With, yes. And, and knowing that he turned into an unwilling monster, like yeah. what a great story, like what a great tragic story yeah. where you, it, you, I was disturbed for that character's well being. And I worry about Londo now <laughs> and I just will forever. And every time I see his face, I'll be like, Oh, Londo, oh, Londo. <laughs> poor guy. Like that was great storytelling. That's yeah. like high level, yeah. um, effective storytelling about, uh, just like the, I don't know. Like, what is that about? I mean, this whole, this whole thing of this guy being bad, realizing how to be good. Yeah. And then having his choice taken away. Yeah. Uh, I think just this redemption kind of il- and then redemption that's taken from him. It illustrates the power of free will. It mm-hmm. illustrates like how important it is to have your right. choice over yourself. Well, that, so those are one of the themes in the show. Who yeah. are you? What do you want? Yeah. You know, and that's the essence of free will. Who yeah. are you? What do you want? And it's yeah. a thing that is presented as a simple question casually, but then among the people who are aware, it's presented as, oh, that's like the most important question you can ask. And that's, totally. that's what happens to Londo. Londo is asked, what do you want? And at that time, he's like, oh, I want the supremacy of the Centauri people. I want to be a member of a proud race that doesn't have to listen to anybody. Yeah. And then he gets it, but it's on the necks of the sp- the race of his friend basically and all these people die and uh, millions of people i think are are killed outside of it because of well that's to get what you want that's that's how we got here you know right yeah and it's i think it's really effective i think it it imparts something to the viewer that is super worth having yeah, yeah. i also think that if the narns had been any narn had been presented with that choice they also could have envisioned the same thing where the Centauri were now aggressively punished for what they do, you know? Yeah. That's another thing I don't think they explore well, but it's not like the Centauri are inherently 
evil in the Narn are inherently good, you know, it's just right. at a different power dynamic. Yeah, and I love that the show illustrated that that it's not really possible for one species to be inherently good and another to be inherently bad. Right. It's, it's individual choices within those species yes. that make the difference. Yeah. Even even like that sit down with Morden at the end of season three, where it's like, this is our rationale as the shadows. Like, right. This is what we're doing. Right. Uh, that's that's where the show like was for me kind of kicking on all cylinders. Yeah, because it's not good versus evil the way right. you think it is. It's chaos versus order. Yeah, and th- there's like a, a right and wrong. Like what what is right and what is wrong? Yeah, and and if I am an agent of change, me being John Sheridan, right? What do I do? Right, and you know what what is the action to take that will be right and will be wrong? And I I for for that to work in my mind the person creating it has to have a, a strong enough sense of right and wrong. Yes. That, but the, here's the thing that aligns with my sense. The, yes. Not, exactly. not like, yep. not like in a universal sense because that doesn't exist, but right. aligns with my sense. Yeah. And that's, that's where I had issues is because like the, the little minute details of what the characters did, didn't like, didn't seem to fall on the right side. Yeah. And they were supposed to be the people who were right yep. in the story. And the story presented them as right over and over. And even, you know, had a, had, <laughs> And even like held an inquisition to prove right. <laughs> that they were right by transporting Jack the Ripper from the past <laughs> to the present of the future to show you that those characters are right, yeah. you know, and they will lead the way towards what is right. Like the show goes out of its way to tell you these are the correct characters. These are the heroes, yeah. Yeah, but then I, but then there was a lack of the of that moral center in their day to day behavior yeah. that was confusing. Yeah, that, agreed. Like just just made the whole i i, I don't know i i, I got to say like we talked about Garibaldi being one of those people right. but but be, he was one of the only ones who actually knew that he was not the best guy yes right and he by the end of the show he, he was pretty redeemed to me as a character yeah and i was okay with him being out there and being a bad person because right. uh i don't know i mean i i really really loved his arc in season 4 yes. where he was being pushed in the wrong direction but yes. not controlled yep. and became the worst version of himself yep. and then tried to pull back in season 5. Yep. I thought that was really interesting yep. and like ends up running this like huge corporation right. and is kind of perfect for that. Yes. Cuz he's kind of he will he, play hardball. Yeah, he's kind of dirty in a way that will allow you to succeed in running a corporation. Yep. But he's not the worst guy out there and he will do what's right when he really has to. Right. And and I I really liked that. You know, I actually kind of came around on Garibaldi to really liking him by the end. Yeah. And I wish that that moral complexity had been present in Sheridan because yeah. he's presented as this like perfect, yep. uh, you know, also messianic figure. Right. In a lot of different ways. Yeah. Uh, but is not necessarily the best dude. Yes. <laughs> based off of what he does with his decisions. Yeah. He's a very good dude. Like, don't get me wrong. Real good dude. But not necessarily the best dude. Yeah. And being told that he is the best of dudes rings false yep. and i and i can't i can't get over it it just kept bug, bugging me right the 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 good thing is that that not the good thing but that comes close to being examined by garibaldi right. but it's also while he's going down his right. dark path and that's the thing like if I, if it was examined by someone who was in their right mind, it right. could have been really powerful. Or better examined by even having it with Garibaldi. Or right. addressing the fact that it's like, well, who are you to question this kind of thing? Yeah. But again, part of my uh, – the way that I justify Babylon 5 to myself is acknowledging some of these things, but also kind of filling in, sure. I think, some of the gaps on my own. You know? Yeah. So but when I let go of like wanting more from it, would I recommend it? 
did I enjoy it? Right. Like, is it worth watching? That's three yeses for sure. Yeah, yeah. You know? Like, I would definitely recommend the show. Right. And I'm glad I watched it, and I did enjoy it, and I got so much out of elements of it. Yeah. And I think that the only reason I've been so critical of it is because we're sitting down and talking about it. Right. We're taking it apart, right. you know, like, as but part there's, there's as, something, as a watching project. There's and, something to <laughs> take apart, though. For I, sure. I think that other shows that are, like, episodic... Star Trek aside, that are just like episodic, self-contained sci-fi shows. There, you, there wouldn't be any, like anything to talk about. Like, well, what do you yeah. think were this person's global themes of this or that? You know, but it was again, it's that JMS definitely tried for a thing, right? You know, and something that had never been done, and honestly, in sci-fi, hasn't been done since up until you get to like the Expanse or shit like that. You know, sure. I think that I think uh, Battlestar Galactica actually. Oh, that's true. Really that's, tried to yeah, pick up reboot? where this show left off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's that's I forgot about that one. Which, yeah. What, which, <laughs> yeah. But I, it's it's interesting because that's also not one of my favorite shows. Yeah, a, another I, show that I watched all the way through and really enjoyed, but right. had no real desire to watch it again. Yeah. And so to me, that's one where it falls apart because they clearly didn't have a plan. Hmm. Where I do believe that Babylon Five, so much of it at least was outlined, even if the details weren't. Yeah. So if you had to say like what the point of Babylon 5 was as a show, right? What would you say? Is the what's the point of the show? Yeah, what does this is there a point to the show? Does the story have like conclusions that it draws? Oof. I don't know. That's a real good question. Um uh I guess that people are redeemable. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's part of it that redemption is possible for uh, for people. Um I don't know. It's it's I don't think I've ever sat down and really started to think about like, what are the kind of grand themes of the show, you know, but that's also, that's why it's interesting to talk to you about things like that, because I never really think about that with Star Trek. It's like, there's never anything in the back of my mind that says what's good about this is the optimism and the, the idealism that is permeating this organization, the Federation in its presence in the universe. Yeah. Like I just enjoy the, the, the story. I just enjoy, I like the genre fiction. I like space stuff and things like that, you know, and then, then the characters, then the characters are fun and enjoyable. Yeah. So Babylon five is in that same vein. And I just, the fact that it's serialized, I tend to prefer over episodic. So that's what winds up being the thing like, Ooh, I really like this where it wasn't. And I do acknowledge that it's got like these order versus chaos, good versus evil, um, it touches on religion a lot. Uh, I think it touches a lot on like, what does it take to be a leader? I think we mentioned that yeah, before how sure. season four has, I think all of the leader characters have to make choices and sacrifices and the whole idea that the Narn are basically set up like the, where it seems like the Vorlons are like, you were made to be a sacrifice, you know, like that's, that's your lot in life. Yeah. Um, but those aren't things that I consciously think about as far as w what feeds into my enjoyment of the show. Yeah. That's interesting. When I watch a show, any show really, uh, almost any show, not the, not the great British bake off, but you know, <laughs> sci-fi in particular, when I'm watching the show, that's all I'm thinking about. Like, what is the big theme? Like right. what, what is the takeaway of this? No, that's interesting. Like what's the reason that this is being made? What yeah. story are they telling? Yeah. And for me, most of what I really love is when, in science fiction, is when it's trying to tell a story. Don't drink my water, Miles. <laughs> I saw you going for that. Um, 
when it's trying to tell a story that does something good for humanity, I actually talked about this also with Wes right. in the last episode I recorded, that I I really appreciate when pop culture media tries to do something good by yeah. telling itself. Gotcha. And and I, I, I think that uh, Black Panther is like the perfect example of that. Right, right, right. Um, which I keep citing every time I talk about this. <laughs> but it's, it's like the most recent yeah. uh, example of that that I think was super effective. But I actually think that The 100 is a really good example of this also. Right. The 100 is kind of... Uh, is... Uh, deconstructing conflict right and it is continually building conflict and then showing you how like conflict just breeds more conflict right you know? like if you if you want peace you have to be willing to you know eat terrible tasting algae yeah exactly <laughs> monty is like the only person who really seems to understand what wanting peace means right which is like we need to stop fighting you know right we need to we need to exist. We need to live together. We need to right. stop fighting each other. It doesn't matter who's in control. If you destroy the only remaining land on earth that is survivable, right. it does not matter who's in control. Right. Like a higher level of thinking than everyone else who's just like, yeah. you know, fuck these guys. These guys are the enemy. We have to kill them no matter, no matter what. You know, yeah. Octavia's whole arc in season 5 of right. like if you're not one crew, you're an enemy of one crew and right. you will be killed. Yeah. Uh so there's there's some very for me there's some very high level uh, storytelling happening in the hundred, like yeah. really high level, that can help us right now as a society avoid yes. destroying our own planet. Because right. it's a story about all the ways that we've destroyed the planet and all the ways that it will we can continue to fuck up right. until the planet is completely dead. Right? You know, and I, I I love that. I I think that that's really powerful. I think the power in a lot of post apocalyptic stuff is is uh, a cautionary tale. Yeah. Even though that show is trash, like don't <laughs> get me wrong, that show is like yeah. the trashiest. Like romance, it's yeah, CW teen, teen, ro- teen, CW drama. teen romance drama yeah. stuff that you'll ever see. But I, I eat that stuff up. Like yeah. I love you. You'd know, like you're stuff gonna, like that. you would like Chronicles of Shannara. Then all right, <laughs> if you like, if you're okay with like fantasy magic, that kind of thing. I love that as long yeah. as it's written into the world. Yeah, uh, I and, mean, Star Wars is fantasy magic. Yeah, you know? that's true. Yeah, um, but yeah, like well, that, they're space magic, space magic. Yeah, yeah that's true. <laughs> this is fantasy magic, even so though it's it like is post apocalyptic fantasy magic. Yeah, so it, but it's in a way where it's like oh. Clearly, this used to be Earth with, like, San Francisco and New York and, you know, human life. Yeah. And then there was an apocalypse, and now there's magic. magic returned. Yeah. See, that I love that, because there's all these uh, fantasy series about how magic used to exist. Right. And then is gone now. Like, on if they want to set it on our world, it's like magic used to exist, and now it does not anymore. Yeah. Uh, and some of my favorite books ever, like Robin Hobbs, uh, series, she has several different series of books. They're all yeah. amazing, but there's this overarching story of bringing magic back to the world. Oh, gotcha. Because it's a, it's actually a fantasy world where there's like a little bit of magic. Right. Uh, and they're trying to like bring dragons back and bring magic back. Oh yeah. That's Game of Thrones is basically that where there's, yeah. Magic is looked as like a story. It's as a, a myth. myth. Yeah. But it but did then, exist in that it world. It did exist. Right. Yeah. And then the dragons come back and now it's like, oh, now there's like all kinds of magic. Yeah, J.R. J. Martin's stealing, uh, George R. R. Martin's stealing Robin Hobb's stuff. Well, I don't know, because the first ones were in the 80s, I think, for uh, was it the Game 80s? of Thrones. Wow. It's Or 90s? It's old. I mean, it's yeah. not like I, a I read thing. them all, actually. And uh, they went on a book tour together, Robin Hobb and George R. R. Martin. Yeah. So I, I ended up so reading- So they must be cool with each other. I, they like each other. I ended up reading his hey, books- Hey, you do Magic Coming I Back from Dragons? I do Magic Coming Back yeah. from Dragons. <laughs> Let's go on a book tour Let's together. Let's go hang out. <laughs> yeah, I, I read Game of Thrones like in part because- 
I knew that they were friends and maybe oh, she yeah. would know a guy who was a good author. Right. But I think that her writing is like a million times more interesting than, yeah. than his writing. But that's a whole other story. So yeah, Shannara yeah. is gonna is cheesy teen yeah. drama that takes place in a, a fantasy world instead of superhero yeah. or sci-fi. It's genre fiction. Cool. And what I like about it is that it's uh, serialized. It's It's clearly like... And I'm not saying it's a good story or it's told well, yeah. but they are trying to do an arc and it's not just, what's today's adventure that we're going to go out and do? You yeah. Know? It's interesting because like, I mean, because the 100 is very serialized and they yeah. break their characters constantly to, yeah. to fit the story. Right. But it never bothers me mm-hmm. because I don't expect them to, they, they have no, there's, there's no like moral high ground on the 100. Right. You know, there's no like we are going to tell you this story and it's going to be good for you. Mm-hmm. Like that stuff is hidden behind so yeah. much gore and teen romance yeah. that you have to like look for it. And now but I least... think it's there. I think that, I think that the subconscious takeaway from the hundred is, is going to be a good thing. Gotcha. Whereas Babylon five was like, we're going to tell you this great story. Right. <laughs> I have so many twists and turns for you and I'm going to teach you a moral story and I'm going to show you what's right and just in the galaxy. Yeah. And it, I feel like the show is constantly selling itself as something that it doesn't quite achieve. Yeah. If yeah. that makes sense. It does. It does make sense. But I, so for me, that's something that wouldn't occur to me now or even at the time. Yeah. And I still feel like some of it is judged differently based on what Heights TV has gotten to since then. Absolutely. You know? For sure. Yeah. I'm sure I'm judging it that way because, and also like but you can't not. The, I mean, again, yeah, I can't help the it. fact that it can, can even come close to holding up. You know, yeah, like a good example of this of me being an idiot this way is that I I've been playing Breath of the Wild for most of the last year on stream, right? And it's become like one of my absolute favorite games of all time. Like right. one of my favorite experiences that I've had, yeah. with media. Yep, has been Breath of the Wild. Have you played that game? No, but I've seen I've seen Ryan play it. Oh, and, good, he got you know, it. I'm glad. Yeah, I yeah. Last time I talked to him was when he first got the Switch. Oh, okay. And I was like, you have to get Breath of the Wild. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, I wanted, I'm like, I need more Zelda in my life. So I I decided to stream A Link to the Past, the Super Nintendo Zelda. Right. Which I keep seeing on lists of like everyone's favorite Zelda Mm -hmm. games at the top, above Breath of the the Wild. Right. So I had these high expectations that it was going to be- But it's like all nostalgia Like the best game. Right. Uh, and as a as a as someone who just played the Breath of the Wild, trying to play a Link to the Past is excruciating. Right, right. <laughs> I had right. to stop. Like I was not enjoying myself. Yeah, Be- there was just like things about the the way the game is set up that you just like the gaming industry has moved away from because yes. people don't like it. Yeah, like there's one random thing hidden somewhere that you really need to progress. Right, they don't tell you what it is, they don't tell you where it is, and they don't tell you that you need it. But if you don't find it, you're fucked. Right, and because I'm playing it on stream, I have people who've played it and like, yeah, you go there to find it. And right. And I don't know how they found it to begin with. Probably like hours and hours of bashing Wandering their heads around. against the yeah, wall. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and there's things about it that just don't make sense to me as a player and don't feel right. And I didn't, I did, wasn't having a good enough time to continue. Yeah. So I stopped. Yeah. And that's supposed to be the best Zelda the game best of all one. time. Yeah. And I don't know why. Yeah. But I'm assuming it's nostalgia. Yeah. But hey, you uh, had but, to have played it at the time right. to realize it. Yeah. So because, because the, you don't see the flaws in something when, when you, it's all you've got, you right. know? And I played the original Zelda and I adored it. Right. And I was watching someone play that a day or two ago and I was like, most of what I didn't like about Link to the Past is in this game and Absolutely. I love this game. Yeah, yeah. So why don't I like Link to the Past? And I think it's because I have another option now for a Zelda game right. that is just infinitely more fun and I, I, I stream Breath of the Wild like every week and I always enjoy it, you yeah. know? I've been playing that for almost a year every week. Wow. I'm just like a very picky gamer. I play yeah. two games. And play them deep. Yeah, like yeah. Mario Maker, I'm so deep into that game. 
but uh, I'll try something new and I'll really like it. Like Stardew Valley, I put a hundred hours into Stardew Valley. Oh, wow. I was in love with it. But then I this like f- switch will flip and it's like, well, I'm done. I'm done. Yeah, yeah, I don't need to play this anymore. My farm is is great. It's perfect. And, it's and, running. <laughs> yeah. You, my you, character was named Jadzia. My farm was <laughs> called Empok Nor, and every <laughs> single animal on my farm was a different character from Deep Space Nine, <laughs> and it brought me endless delight and until achieve, the delight ended and I stopped playing. I was gonna say you achieve utopia and then it's boring. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I don't know why I told that story. But but the reason I tell the Zelda story is that's how I feel about Babylon Five. It's right. like if I had watched Babylon Five before a lot yeah. of these other serialized shows, yeah. I'm sure that it would be on my favorite shows list. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, yeah. I think that's definitely uh, that plays into it. I, I'm not sure, but I suspect it'd be. Yeah, I suspect it might be. Or then it becomes something where I, where for me it's. It, I know that a lot of my enjoyment does come from that nostalgia and from even at the time being aware like oh there is nothing like this you know right there's nothing like this that's how i feel in breath of the wild it's like i've never been able to explore a world like that Mm -hmm. before where it's like i like i'm a person who exists in hyrule now and i can just go do whatever i want right and and there's a level of of uh wish fulfillment there that i've never experienced yeah which i felt when deep space nine started serializing yeah because i love serialized storytelling yeah and if i had watched babylon 5 at that point in my life when i was starved for serialized storytelling right. without realizing it because yeah, i just hadn't had yeah, it before yeah, yeah. i i really think it would have made a much bigger impact on me yeah. than it did yeah uh, and i i really think that was one of the things that uh, affected the way that i looked at other media after that because there wasn't any kind of genre fiction that, right that scratch that itch really without even knowing apart from like just always tng you always love the big you know two-parters the one season that finishes in the next one you know or when they mention something that happened three years ago it's like wow yeah this is great yeah and then it was interesting is that when deep space nine hit uh, babylon 5 is done and then deep space nine continues on for like another two or three seasons yeah and it's you know then they just keep doing more of that like yeah the last season of deep space nine are like five and six part episodes it's, right and never, those are the best those are yeah, really yeah, good yeah. they never quite became a truly serialized show no but they did start doing like five or six parters yeah where it was like it was like three or four stories all season yeah it, it was almost completely serialized, but not quite. It's yeah. like a weird distinction to make. But. It is. It's a, It's an interesting hybrid. But, but yeah. Deep Space Nine put itself in that position by out of the gate, you had things that kind of had through lines. Right. So at a certain point, you almost have this like a uh, uh, weird break between things of some stuff is definitely acknowledged and talked about and addressed. And then some stuff just disappears. So yeah, it kind of pulled an X-Files where it had like mythology episodes right. yeah, and yeah, then yeah. Monster of the Week episodes. X- yeah. X-Files exists in that hybrid. Yeah. S- yeah. Which I think is actually a really great, way to go uh, yeah i don't know i mean i i, I think it can work but yeah. it, it's i will say that it didn't it often didn't work for me in x-files yeah where i if it wasn't a mythology episode i wasn't as interested it's i stopped when x-files was on the air i stopped watching at season i don't know one or two when it was just like uh, whatever happened like i got two or three monster of a week episodes in a row yeah and it's like oh no sorry you've already got me heroin hooked on this other thing, and right. you're teasing it out. It got it frustrating. Out. Yeah. But some of the Monster of the Week episodes were fantastic. Sure. Which I think is like a... I, and I, actually, Smallville was that way also. Right. Where Smallville had a really deep mythology, 
and Monster of the Week episodes. Yeah. And I loved that show all the way through season seven when the original showrunners left and yeah. then it became unwatchable. And I actually gave up in the last season. I'm like, I don't even care anymore. Like right. this show ended to me when when Lex Luthor left the show. Right. But the first like I that show also like seasons five, six, and seven, like with Stargate, are awesome. Yeah. So good. Like really surprisingly good for I, I don't know, CW, man. Yeah. Some, they got some good shows. They they, <laughs> they know how to do genre fiction right, yeah. you know? Yeah. I've been I'm happy with it. Happy with their genre fiction. Yeah. Well Even the, though I know it's not the best. <laughs> Bringing it back to the whole idea of like the big themes of Babylon 5. Yeah. The one thing that I think was a through line from the first episode that was exactly what I look for in sci fi that like this is good for the world. This story was so worth telling. Right. And really deeply satisfied me was Londo and Jakar. Oh, yeah. Because it is a story of how it's like a, a rule book, a playbook of how to overcome racism. Oh, yeah, yeah. How to stop seeing someone that you are racist against as basically less than you and realizing that they are equal to you. Right. They are like another conscious being that is, that is as, has as much value as you do. Yeah. Like recognizing that and making a change in your behavior based off of that realization. You yeah. Know? That, that was one of the better, if not best versions of that, that I've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah. Of Londo's arc of realizing that he is racist and like letting go of it yeah. and becoming friends with this person. Because I think that there's a piece of Londo that's always been good and has always liked Jakar. Yeah. And always has wanted to be his friend. Yeah. But I also think Londo wants to be friends with literally everybody. (laughs) I think that he wants everyone to love him. Yes, he does want to. He wants to be adored. Yeah. Yeah, totally. But But there's some spark of something special with him and Jakar. Uh, which is again why it's so heartbreaking that yeah that they only have that for such a short time before Londo is forced into being a monster. Yep. But yeah, it makes me want to go back and rewatch moments from the show. It yeah. Ma- it makes me want to rewatch like the big mo- the big episodes. Yeah. And that's where the this is where the viewing guides I think are worthy, especially for a show like Babylon Five, is you can look through to get reminded of. Where are these highlights and, you know, uh, especially the arc stuff, you know, oh, this is good. This is good. So you can skip huge swaths of season one. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's like like, talking about that type of stuff that I see that I think is good in a thing is why I started podcasting. Yeah. You know, that's like, I don't, I don't know what it is with me, why I'm obsessed with this idea that like, I want to, I, I want to be a part of like the positive uh, change that pop culture can provide. Yeah, that's like, good. I want to do something that that invokes positive change. Yeah, well, and, and the the fandom of these things need it. So, yeah, that's been so disappointing though for me in the last few years is that yeah, like the internet. Yeah, the fandom is is not just the internet, but well, mostly the internet. Well, I'm blaming but, the internet. Yeah, I mean, it's the internet's fault for sure. The internet. Uh, yeah, fandom has has revealed it's like ugly yes. underbelly. Yeah. Another thing I just talked about in the last episode, Ah, but I kind of want to talk more about with you is like the whole, I mean, the whole Star Wars toxic fandom thing has like really gotten out of control. Yeah. And as someone who like makes, makes content where I am critical of things, it makes me feel like I'm part of the problem a little bit. Like Uh, we're we're here, I'm complaining about Babylon 5. I'm being that like angsty fanboy. He's (laughs) like, this show wasn't up to my expectations and I I would have done this differently. Like that that isn't necessarily good for the world, you know? Like, Eh, But it's not that bad either. I mean, I think that's, it's, there's the next level of the, uh, toxicity of like the Star Wars, the current Star Wars fandom. That's where it's like, now it's getting gross. Right. So then is the, is the answer to, I don't know if the answer is to not be one of those people who like mm-hmm. talks about this stuff publicly or is the answer to 
try to talk about it publicly in a way that points out like what this is doing good for the world. Like, right. I mean, there's so much in Babylon 5 that is, you know, really worth seeing. Yeah. And th- that's the stuff that I'm more passionate to talk about too, is stuff that I, like the hundred where I know that it's like, or travelers, you know, I, I haven't, right. I, you know, I never did an episode about travelers, but I really wanted to because yeah. I think that that show is like all, as, as perfect of a sci-fi pre- premise as you could ever have. Yeah. Um, and, <laughs> And it inexpensive to produce because right. it's all like it's all in your head, cerebral sci-fi. Yeah. It's all spoken, but you but you don't miss anything because the story is so well like put together that you yeah. don't need spaceships, you don't need lasers. Yep, you just need these people that exist in our time that are from the future, right? Doing their job together so well. Yeah, I love that show. Yeah, I think me it's too. Just was, so good. Uh, you were saying you were sold on it because of the the showrunner. Yeah. For me, I was just scrolling through Netflix and I saw a time traveling police. I'm yes. Like, yep. That's going in my queue. Yeah. Because I had watched that in Continuum uh, at, almost simultaneously. I I've seen, Continuum? unless you're talking about Stargate Continuum, I haven't seen no, it. No, <laughs> this is just like its own thing. Okay. I haven't seen that. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's schlocky genre sci-fi fiction. Uh, but it's, it has that like, oh, this is like super Canadian, uh, not produced, but like clearly, like oh, they filmed all this in Vancouver, like and, Battlestar and yeah, Smallville. I mean, yeah. you can, you can tell, start to see it. You yeah. start to see the same extras. Yes, this actually now things. that I'm saying it, this may be a CW show. Oh, continue. Oh, uh, one of the people from uh, Murphy, Murphy from the Hundred, is really one, yeah. This is a younger version of him. Oh wow, he's like a central character in he's Continuum. My favorite character, and he's also he plays like oh, he's kind of a shitty guy. He does it so well, but I. I despised him in season one yes and it's that that I is still don't like him but bru- i think it's like brilliant writing to take such a despicable character and make him so likable without yeah. compromising what makes him despicable see for me i still don't like him i'm like he's still the same he's still yeah. a shithead i think that's great i like that like i i think that it would be a bad sign if everybody liked him by the end right you know? right 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 yeah um we but, are but really into like- number shows so Babylon five <laughs> Deep the 100 Space Nine. Deep Space Nine. <laughs> yeah, but I but Deep Space Nine is something that like I have a real passion to talk about yeah. where that that's a show where I've seen all of it and I know from experience that I felt like it was doing something good for the world and yeah. I want to point that out. Yeah. And I would love to watch that with my community on YouTube because yeah. uh that's a show that I feel like I can get behind and recommend to uh, to people of any age Right. because I have like people of all ages. And I love watch. it because I love like I said I love to pick apart Star Trek. Yeah. From a point of love. I love Star Trek. I'll right. let me be clear. I love Star Trek. And I but, love it too much where I, I think it'd be boring if yeah. you didn't have things to say about it. Yeah. You know? I like it Star Trek in a way where I'm like we all know that this is in the universe where once you go to warp 10 you turn into a lizard and right. have lizard babies like totally and i know that people want to go well that's just voyage i'm like no that's all a star trek you have to accept that you have to accept that kirk invented time travel twice <laughs> and was super casual about it you have to accept all of this stuff right and that's what i love is how wide you have to open your arms for just tv canon because it's all canon it all has to be you know in the same world and justified and exists and is the reality. Yeah. And it's brilliant because it's such a God awful mess, but it's a beautiful mess. <laughs> yeah. So. I think that I feel about Babylon five, the way you feel about star Trek. Yeah, that's fair. And, yeah. I, and vice versa. I think that I feel the way about star Trek that you do about Babylon five. Yeah. 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 yeah for sure. Where for sure. Maybe it's like a little higher in your estimation of, yeah. of just like satisfying something for you as a, as a viewer. Yeah. But I, that's why I've loved these Babylon five conversations so much. Cause like, 
I because we have different viewpoints. Yeah, and uh, and I think that it could be really fun to try. Yeah, in a live audience. And, and we, who knows? Maybe it'll be awful, and we'll never do it again. We'll just but, stop. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, we 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 generally have enough in common that it's a worthwhile discussion. And we've seen a lot of the same things. It's not like I've known people. You know, that's fine. Who are just like totally into horror and fantasy you know magic stuff maybe but not at all like anything space or lasers or rope they're like nope i don't understand those people but i meet them all the time yeah i mean and that exists but that would be a difficult or perhaps you know i don't know to have a conversation about like well i hate this show let's talk about it yeah (laughs) (laughs) okay (laughs) we're just gonna fight about sci-fi then (laughs) yeah (laughs) yes it's it's weird like my podcasting experience, I have talked about things that I didn't like that much. Right. And it's really, it's hard. It's hard to like keep, think of enough things to say. And like, I honestly, I mean, we've, you know, we've been talking for two hours, but we haven't Oof. talked that much about Babylon 5. Uh, right. This one drifted around a lot. Yeah. It's like Babylon 5 itself. There's less the to talk season, about. Yeah. There's just, less to talk about yeah. in the fifth season. Yeah. You know, like the, like, what are you going to do? You talk about the, the telepads, you talk about right. the, the Drazi, you talk about, well, there's a couple things left that we have to talk about, but, but, you know, I, I don't know. And I'm curious. I know that if we do something episodic where it's like every episode is its own thing, that yeah. that's going to start to happen. Yeah. Where it's like we run out of shit. But uh, those will be, well, there's nothing wrong with having short. a 30, 30 minute episode or something. Yeah. You we know? can stop talking and play a video game if that happens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, an episode of Deep Space Nine is 42 minutes. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, 42 minutes of a podcast would be us literally minute for minute having as much to talk about right. about the episode as the episode had to say itself. Totally. Yeah. And I've actually been thinking about, I've been thinking about this for a while. Um, I I haven't mentioned it to you, which is ridiculous because the show is called Doug Space. Yeah. <laughs> I'm an integral part of it. Yeah. You are the Doug. <laughs> um, but, uh, but that, that name occurred to me like months ago. And oh, I was like, that's funny. And I've been thinking about it and, and like, I can't let it go as a fun idea. Yeah, yeah. It just it's, sounds we should at so least try fun. It. Yeah, I, we have to. Yeah. And I actually thought of what the theme song could be, too. Ah, um, awesome. Can, can you... I know you don't like singing, but can you just do, like, bum, 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 just like that? Bum, bum, bum. Yeah. <laughs> Am I doing Deep Six Nine? Yes. Oh. And, and I'm going to sing... I'm going to sing the da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, <laughs> but I'm going to sing Doug Space Nine. <laughs> okay. So it's like... Da 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 dum bum bum da da da. What I'll have to do is watch. I'll do like a binge watch of C69 without skipping the opening credits as I normally do. Yeah, and then I'll have the you know the and I won't hit it. But oh, I'll be you, able we to- can do it right now, and you don't have to hit it. How about I'll just point at you every time you switch notes like that. How, how about that? You want to see what'll happen? Let's, Let's do, do it. it. Okay, yeah. here we go. Three. Doug bum, Space Nine. Doug Space Nine. <laughs> yeah, like that. Let's do it again. Let's do it again. I'll, I'll just do like one, two, three, and then I'll be silent on four and we'll come in on one. Yeah, none of that makes any sense in my cool. head. <laughs> one, two, three. Ba, 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 ba. No, now I'm doing the spoke. Now you're doing, yeah. Well, the, okay, fuck counting. Let me just point at you. Here we go. <laughs> Doug Space Nine. Okay, that doesn't yeah. work. <laughs> I was, uh, you said fuck counting. I was like, wait, does he mean he's not going to count anymore? Okay, I'm going to yeah, try counting he, again. That's exactly what it means. So I'm going to conduct, which I actually <laughs> studied. I studied in, in college. Well, I did not study. So this is like, conduction. we're in four. Like one, two, three, four. What you're like experiencing this. is literally anyone who's ever tried to do music with me. Yeah. I had a friend who got mad at me because he said, I've never met someone who can't keep time with a metronome. <laughs> I was like, I don't know what to tell you. He's like, no, no, no. 
I want you to push this key on the keyboard and then I want you to like hold this one down and then it's going to go one, two, three, four. And then you're going to switch and you're going to push these two keys. Yeah. I was like, okay. And we could not get past <laughs> doing that. And he was just getting like, ah, ah. <laughs> this, you, you did it already. I know you can do this. Um, we are, you've already sure. done it. Okay. I, I just want to get a couple. I feel like the theme song could be this short and just <laughs> this. And I actually like had this image of like, Basically, just like pencil drawings of our faces and Deep Space uh, Nine, and it looks like shit. Yeah, and it could be done really fast, and yeah. that's the image. Sloppy aesthetic. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, yeah, because <laughs> I like I put so much time and effort into polishing these podcasts, and right. that's that's the step two. Like if right. if someone likes what you do, you can polish then it. Polish but it. Yeah, get starting and trying and Put figuring out what out. works with an audience. I think is more important. Hundred uh, percent. Yeah. Well, wait, here we go. Okay. So I'm gonna count this time because that worked better. Sure. I'm gonna count to three. And then I'm gonna breathe on four, and then I'm gonna start singing yeah, on. You've one. already lost me. Okay, <laughs> one, two, three. Ba, ba, ba. <laughs> I said. Now I don't even remember what the bum bum bum. It is also Sprague Zarathustra. Okay, yeah, it's the same thing. Bum bum. Actually, how about bum. yeah? How about you start it? How about you tell me when to start? Okay, <laughs> just like with your hand, just like bum. And okay, the up should be. Like, if you're thinking in your head, like, when you're going to come in, up, down. Oh, yeah. See, that, that, thinking where I'm going to come in, you've already lost me. Like, <laughs> you can do there's it. There's no I know thought it. of me where I'm going to come in. I know you can do it. I'll just do it, and you can see okay. if it works. Dog Space Nine. Dog Space Nine. Deep Space Doug. I already forgot the name of the show. I forgot the name of the show. <laughs> Deep Space Doug. Not even this. Not even the first episode. It's actually pretty good too. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so I was thinking like oh, well, do I'm you want to like talk about this right now? Oh yeah. While sure. we're recording, or should yeah, we stop? Yeah. This episode, ostensibly about Babylon 5, is secretly a two-hour pilot for the new show. <laughs> for Doug Space Nine. Yeah. <laughs> It's very fun to say, Doug Space <laughs> it Nine. It is very fun. I really like it. I had a friend that used to do a thing with me called Dougapedia. Oh, nice. And that was where he would ask me questions about people, usually musicians or sports people, and just say, what do you know about this person? And then I would just answer with what I knew, had absorbed, and then some stuff that I made up, and then some stuff that was me confusing different people. <laughs> and that was called the Dougapedia. Nice. Like some of the Star Trek podcasts I listen to that I really like do things at the end where like Star Trek The Next Conversation has the MVC, the most valuable crew member. Ah, nice. And then they ra- they have something called the Andes because one of them is named Andy uh, where they rate the episode. Right, right, right. Uh, and I definitely want to like have stuff like that where we make rate, up games. rate each. Yeah, make yeah. up games, rate each episode. Yeah. Uh, I would love to do like, like, is this better than Babylon 5? Is this better than Babylon 5? Yeah, yeah, yeah. As yeah. like one of the things we do. <laughs> um, and I'd all, I, maybe like... Like how, how many wharfs you give an episode and how many for the first like three seasons of Deep Space Nine, zero wharfs. <laughs> and I I love the first three seasons, so I I'm yeah. sure that like we'll balance They're out. They're rough. I, I'm excited to watch them again and see if I notice that this yeah. time. Well, I by my measure of standard, they're rough because it's just like generic episodic TV, you know. Yeah. Yeah, but I love Miles O'Brien so much. Me too. <laughs> Miles O'Brien must suffer. Yeah, totally. Um, well, yeah, we maybe we should like stop recording and maybe like talk a little bit about Have some plans. Yeah, make some plans. Yeah. 
Uh, I think that'd be awesome. Uh, but if you're listening to this, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. It's been a hell. I'm looking at Doug while I'm talking to other no, people. No, that's good. I'm representing the audience. You are the you. audience. And right I'm now. nodding appreciatively. Yeah, like, no, I really enjoyed it. It's been a hell of a ride. And like anyone who's listened to any episode ever, I appreciate. And anytime anyone ever wrote to me and, and said that they liked something from an episode meant a lot to me. And I've talked to a couple people who said that they felt from what from listening to my show that that they got that sense of like let's talk about making humanity better mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. uh like what can be and got something positive out of it which was the goal and is very gratifying to hear but well yeah let's stop and talk about the future instead okay. of things past thank you so much for being here doug this is very amazing. welcome i appreciate it i love it there it is my friends another show watched by me i'm very proud and the birth of Doug Space Nine. But we have moved from YouTube to Twitch because I've moved all of my streaming over to Twitch, including Doug Space Nine. Uh, so check us out on Twitch, twitch.tv slash jesse underscore mercury, and all the pertinent links will be down in the show notes below. Yeah, so Doug Space Nine is alive and well, and we're about to start season two. We'll be talking about the first two episodes of season two of Deep Space Nine uh, in the next time we stream. And hopefully that will be this Friday, but we'll see how that goes with my health. Um, really the thing to do is just, you know, if you're interested in Doug Space 9, follow me on Twitch, turn on notifications, and you'll see when I go live. <laughs> well, my friends, it has been a journey. What a long podcast. You listen to this whole thing. That's incredible. Thank you. Uh, I had a blast putting this together. I can't wait for the next one. Until next time, stay nerdy out there. Stay nerdy out there.